0: They're bad, they're boys, and, occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast, with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back, baby, come back. But bye, 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 but bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around, but that's
1: Hello, David Hellard. How are you?
0: I'm good, Alibelli. I think this might be a first.
1: What do you mean, a first? You're wearing clothes. I think this, is <laughs> I
0: think, this uh, I think Well, only the top half. Only the top half. All right. Um, I think this might be the first time that. And I, I dare say this might be proved wrong on the actual episode, but the first time that we're both clear in our recordings to each other.
1: We are clear, although I can hear one of my dogs chewing a bone. I hope that you guys can 't hear that noise I quite like to hear that noise, though I think it would be quite pleasing it 's highly irritating i 'm going to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but how are you? How are things well i 'm marvelous i 'm living in the countryside now. I live in Somerset, not London, and now i 've become all Somersety.
0: are you um, Are you
1: changing as a person then? I am changing as a person. Um, I'm very much calmer now. Um, For new listeners, this is the Bad Boy Running Podcast. and I am a woman, a female woman. Um, And uh, we're here to talk about running, aren't we, David Hellard? uh,
0: Yeah, and I'm David Hellard, and I am a man, an effeminate man, if we're fair. But um, I'm fine with that. I'm fine
1: with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I've moved to countryside and it's really, really great because now I can actually go on runs that are delightful in all weathers uh, and I no longer run on roads. But when I do run on roads, I'm like, this is really easy. So yeah, the trail running is making me realise that actually running on road is the easiest thing on earth. So
0: you're getting lots of leg strength as well, hopefully.
1: Um, Sort of, I don't know. Like we went out to... um, Dartmoor last week to do a recce. We ran across Dartmoor from the bottom to the top. And uh, it's still you still forget, don't you, that the UK does have some really harsh terrain. And it was pretty windy and pretty foggy, quite wet. Um, but we had a lovely time. Um, well, so I, yeah. think, I think there's
0: this notion that um, for, for non-UK listeners, basically everyone sees the home of, I guess, Fell running as being the Lake Districts. You've got Scotland, which has got some, it's got the highest peaks, it's got the most mountains. And I think you, you almost, everyone looks down a little bit on Dartmoor and Exmoor as not really being proper hard terrain.
1: But it is. It really is, yeah. And I, um, I was saying, because I looked at the map. When you look at a map, right, everything looks flat. Because the map's <laughs> on a bit of paper or on the computer. And uh, Have th- you really except, not
0: learned that about maps?
1: No, I haven't. I thought that the Downs link was hilly. Just ask Lisa Stuart evans about that. It's not. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, but... Um, you know, I do a lot of running in Dorset, and so there's, there's the Jurassic Coast and all that sort of stuff. It's all very lovely. And then I remember, you know, we went and did an ultra tour of Arran, and that was very, very hilly. Um, but it's not until you get out onto the onto Dartmoor that you realize it's actually bleak up there. Like, it's very, mm. very, this every type of terrain you can ever imagine. Um, and then Exmoor's a completely different beast, even though you'd imagine that they were the same. But they're not. And uh, so, yeah, we went out to do this recce because, do you know what I'm in for? I'm a bit scared, if I'm going to be honest.
0: You almost wish that you hadn't known. You don't?
1: No, no. I'm glad that we did it because we went out with um with with uh, our head of merch, Lorna, um because she lives down there and uh, she's actually done it's two more's way and she's done that with Lisa jo Evans. Um, she went out on her own with him for a fun weekend of wild camping and running across Dartmoor and Exmoor, uh, and she said that when it got dark, everything. Basically, went dark, and uh, she showed us a couple of places where Lee had ultra meltdowns because he couldn't find the style to get out the field. And there was this one field she was like, "We spent an hour in here," and he, and he was like, "The farmers have put up a wall with barbed wire. And it's just like a box way, but it's not. The style is really obvious. It's just in the dark. You're so confused and tired that you missed this stuff. So, yeah, we did the section. We're going to run in the dark so we could kind of know where we could go wrong because it's this is a self-nav race. It's not it's not waymarked or anything. So, yeah, it was good fun. What have you been up to? Well, actually, before we on to Ivy you know. I think
0: that that's the difficulty with going for these longer runs is that like 100 miles to 117 miles as a percentage, it's not that much more. You know, it's quite an easy math, actually, 17% more. But then it's not until you think what what state you're in at the end of a 100-mile race and then how long an extra 17 miles would take in that state for you to then think this is a completely different race, really.
1: Yep. This is exactly what, because so I'm running with Julius, who is a, uh, happens to be the man that lives in my house that does everything for me. Duncan, who's one of our mates, they've not done a hundred miler before. So they have been referring to this as the hundred miler. And I'm like, it's not a hundred miler (laughs) because those last 17 miles are going to be hell on earth if you're thinking of it as a hundred miler. Um, And, uh, you know, we're doing a bit of maths and like working out pacing and timing and You know, with the best, we're not going to finish that race until we start at 8 a.m. on the Saturday. We're not going to finish probably till about on a good day, 6 p.m. Sunday, on a bad day, 9 p.m. or 12 p.m in the morning in the morning on monday and it's really important to to chunk it down and going to happen because you run through the night you see the dawn you're like that's it now i'm going to be running in the light for the rest of the day but you actually might not be um so with that i think it's it's it was really good to do the recce to know those bits that we're going to do in the dark which Mm. look like they are road between dartmoor and Exmoor, but they're not they are trail fields hills it's insane at one point we got stuck in a queue of cows going to be milked and we had to wait 25 did you minutes you get milked did you, you were milked. you in the queue and you got strapped in yeah i got strapped in and milked um uh, but i'm like that won't happen in the night but this field will be full of cows in the night and they're oh, big God. fuckers these cows so if you're you know if you're not aware of that and suddenly you what look do up doing the night are they sleeping they sleep i think they sleep standing up though but they are big and they're curious, and if they decide to come towards you, they'll be everywhere, and it'll be dark. So it's like you've got—we've got to be aware that these are the cow fields. We've got to be aware that that the, the the routing goes just off on this little path, and if we keep running on the road, and when you're tired, you just kind of go in one direction, don't you? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's all that sort of stuff. It's going to be really interesting. I'm I'm pretty sure that I'll be able to finish it, um, but. It's just about getting your head around those, the timings and the, you know, walking through the night, not running, and when we're going to eat. And I'm certainly not having to sleep. No way. So, uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> I, it's, I guess uh, that's is your first time doing that kind of distance with other races, as opposed to having some paces.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so I feel a bit of a responsibility to make sure that, um, because I'm the one that's done it before. I've done 100 miles before. So I'm the one that's like, this is how I felt, but I don't know how they're going to feel. And uh, they're blokes as well. So there's the chance of them being like, I feel great. I'm going to smash out another 10 miles. But then actually wanting to kill yourself after those 10 miles. So it's going to be an interesting race. And we've got Lorna crewing. You do bad going to come out and help. So yeah. And it's also point to point, which is a right pain in the ass for for logistics is oh, parking uh, even though and when you
0: awesome. want to get your proper all your kit and stuff
1: yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting but um it's gonna be fun I like a challenge
0: fair, fair. well um I'm trying to think what I've been up to i I haven't been up to recently, but I, since I've last spoke about it I've done a half marathon I've like run a half marathon as fast as I could
1: did you not sort of almost win it
0: oh no oh no 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 this was uh, this was the city what was it called the big half so i was thousands of people down um
1: that's good i'm just making sure you're on brand you've got <laughs> down, <laughs> yeah
0: absolutely yeah so I've, i i did the big city path which we well, I spoke about it a little bit with jd um on the potty about how it's the ugly steps Ugly stepchild of the London Marathon, shall we say. Um, and it's quite interesting as well because I haven't raced a half marathon, like a road half. haven't raced a road any distance, really, for seven years. I checked out. Bloody 12. hell. Well, yeah. And so, partly, I don't remember what it's like to be running that hard on a road for that long. Um, but also just having in a concept of pace or what my expected time or anything like that um but it was it was really enjoyable i really liked it i i'm so used now to, to doing races where it's quite lonely or you're you're in your own little world were you not
1: were you not lonely like were you if you're hammering it are you not on your own pretty much the whole time
0: well, the, the, the good thing, I mean, what was great about this race is that if you do something like the London Marathon, there's, there's thousands of, of runners from all around the world, which is, which is amazing in itself, but this, the big city half, it, see, it seems to be very local. Um, I think they give a lot of club places out, it's quite cheap for people to buy, and also they give a lot of places for people in the local communities, and so... I like something like the London Marathon when you're in a pen of hundreds of people who you may know one person in there. This almost felt like a, a London club championships where there were so many people from mine and, and rival running clubs. And, you know, even while I was walking to the start line, I ran into Bruno, I ran into Danny Ben. I ran into Sarah Pritchard from Love Trails mm-hmm. um, and just everywhere you look there's someone from your own club and so it's it's such a nice atmosphere where you're surrounded I mean ran past James Paul who was I you know, foolishly racing it even though he'd just done his Hong Kong challenge or a week before or something <laughs> and so yeah it was it was really really nice to be constantly seeing different clubs that you know and and, and different people um, the, the start was a bit of a nightmare because they they've, they had pen one so you've got your your elites so they've yep. got Mo Farah there then you've got your sub one fifteen runners Yep. and then you've got pen one who I thought being in pen one great this is going to be a fairly tight group of people doesn't really matter where I am and I was, I was speaking to Bruno and then suddenly realized like Bruno look around us I don't I don't want to be rude but we should not be with these people like we should we're looking to race fast um, because and, and these that's exactly what happened it seemed like pen one seemed to be 115 runners to like 150 two oh, great. a nice widespread of everybody then yeah and so it was an absolute nightmare at the start because there was this panic and, and normally in in a race I'd say just sit back and relax you know the, the time will come to you you've got plenty of time to catch it up Yeah. but actually a half marathon you can't make up a minute no because oh,
1: no, if you're going to bottleneck it for the first mile and there's people everywhere and they're all trying to that's a mile isn't it where you've kind of yeah. lost yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so um it was I, I, I completely panicked and was running on pavements and doing that whole scrambling things for the first two miles or were so. you
1: jumping over people and going, parkour, 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 punching people, <laughs> kicking people in tutus. I was
0: indeed, yeah, as much as I could. The, uh, all the children looking for high fives. Were, and you, were you
1: aggressively shouting, runner coming through, runner coming through? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I was I was trying to be as, as nice as possible, um, but I wasn't the only one. There were quite a few people and, and they they give you those. That's what's nice about road running. You get all the stats at the end of your first five k. and so the first ten k, I overtook eight hundred people, which seems to be quite. Did you a get lot an
1: Uber? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we'll
0: get on the tube. <laughs> no, um, but the the thing is I was I was um I was going into it thinking I'm I'm in all right shape, but I'm not in great shape, and I'm certainly you know I'd, I'd done maybe one or two runs over. 16 miles in the last five months up mm-hmm. to that point so you know I've, I really wasn't expecting anything but then um, what was and, and also my god unbelievably windy like insane wind
1: oh yeah that was a weekend we went to the Jurassic Coast it was mental wind wasn't it which uh, for
0: something you don't really think as wind as being a factor in a city race yeah. you might do if you're on a coastal run where you could get pushed off the edge but um wow the headwind was in was was crazy and it was quite interesting seeing all the runners coping with it because most people hadn't really thought through what they were going to do yeah. and so i uh, for example jake my uh, my my club captain he was out by himself on the the run to so you you ran out from tower bridge into the docklands which was supposedly with the wind behind you but that's when it's absolutely dense thick pack with people so there's no there's no wind helping you yeah you then run back to tower and it was that point i was just i just caught jake who was running by himself with no groups around like jake get what are you doing and um it needed to try and get in packs as much as possible because it was the type of it was strong enough wind at points where it would change your running style where you'd actually have to lean forward and almost do you know when that you reposition because just to try and get some movement yeah and what was what was really interesting about it talk about aggressive cornering it was nigh on impossible because you would trying to be follow you're trying to follow the person in front of you to get their their wind block but then you'd be running through the streets where on the left hand side of the street against the wall was the best position to run yeah so everyone would then run all the way over the street to then tuck in behind so you're running all these extra oh uh, my
1: god you're like cyclists you're like a bunch of
0: cyclists (laughs) it was was just like cyclists yeah which was was really weird but quite fun at the same point because you felt like you were in it together but you also yeah i mean i don't know if it's like that throughout throughout the pack um but yeah great it meant i got to halfway you had the tailwind behind suddenly could run free um they dropped loads and loads of caffeine and and because I'd started so far back I probably overtook 20 club mates which is nice in itself yeah so now I quite fancy doing another half like half road
1: marathon because I really enjoyed it do you know what I think you should do I think you should go up against um ctfb C- because uh, that man went out and won, I think it was a palace was it the Palace half marathon in I mean, wearing a BBR vest and BBR sleeves and I'm like, this is brilliant. So I think you BBR versus him. BBR sleeve. He made some sleeves, some red sleeves out of I don't know, out of out of a pair of Superman tights or something. But um but he won it and the pictures are just hilarious. But uh, I reckon you should go up against him. That'd be brilliant. I
0: mean he's so he's so far ahead of me at the moment. And he keeps on winning. And if if you, if you do bad if you don't know who to, who's CTFB, we won't say his real name, but um, I can't even remember what episode it is. But he is the man who has been uh, given probably the most foul-sounding nickname because he he, re- he doesn't drink enough booze when he wins races. Essentially, he but, goes
1: to beer races and doesn't drink, and he's like, yeah. "Look at me!" Hey, but you know that whole thing about the the headwind. Like hmm. we did, I did a trail run. I think it was that weekend actually, Llama Tree. It was a White Star race, and the wind was berserk and it wasn't raining or anything but everybody was like battling against this literal headwind for 26 miles on these peaks in dorset about 60 70 miles an hour and um we were the wednesday after i came i I was absolutely knackered and i basically took a whole day of sleeping like eating i just felt terrible and uh, i couldn't work out why so i had a look um i was like maybe it was because of the wind because because it was just really, a really hard race, even though it shouldn't be mm. a hard race. So I, look, I went online and I had a look at wind, uh, uh, how it affects your performance. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. Like, if you've got a headwind of, of between 40 miles an hour, you're expending apparently 70% more energy than you would be if there was no wind.
0: I, I think you should go further. I think to, to get through that, you've got to be running at least 40 miles an hour. So you were probably doing... 46 miles an hour (laughs) speed just to get to the finish line I
1: definitely was but it makes a massive difference it really really does it's 70% extra energy or whatever it is or extra, extra whatever oh. but um, because we're all knackered and everybody in the white star group was like I feel terrible after that race and it's like because we just you just take it for granted that that you know oh, it's just a bit of wind but actually it's not because there were parts of that race where I had to walk because I was like there's no point in running into this wind because I'm just expending energy that I don't need to expend I'm going just as fast as I would if I was walking it was crazy I,
0: I think you, you potentially even use slightly different muscles as well it's like running up a hill yeah because you act you do actually change your body position so if you're not trained for that it can be really tough
1: yeah absolutely and it's and it it does make a difference but like I say you know it's um we all take these things for granted and on the race I did it was it was headwind the whole way and I kept thinking when we turn around but it just didn't stop so yeah Mm. ridiculous
0: but talking about uh cftb he uh he also ran uh, won the orion 15 and and he was racing with um friend of the podcast joe dell who i've mentioned before does love track and is also the uh the person who sticks needles in people and helped with uh how was my injury turns out two years ago he was disqualified from that race for running topless
1: who rich who richard or, was joe he Dale. yeah yeah, that's that that's the rumour, supposedly. See is Joe the guy at the physio that works at Fix? Yeah, he's yeah. at Fix London. He's that's my right. physio. Is he? Yeah. So, when he, so whenever I've got an ultra injury which is very very rare I'll go to him and uh, he is like I'm not going to tell you to stop running because I know you're not going to and I'm like great so he gives me the world's worst sports massage but the weird thing is when he's giving a sports massage I hope he does this with everyone he puts classical music on so it's like a scene <laughs> out of Silence of the Lambs it's, it's weird but he's or the a, boondog saints yeah, is that kind of yeah and I'm like is he going to murder me but uh, it feels like he's murdering me but he's a lovely man isn't he well just that's the thing I think he'd be too polite to really object to get about being disqualified but
0: is has that happened before i mean d- do bad have, do you know of anyone ever being disqualified for running a race topless i mean to be fair w- w- the way the way claire myself everyone swoons about joe Dell. i think it should be a law that he always runs topless but um i i personally like the fact that people have to wear their tops i i am um, I, I think it's it's not very British to be running topless when Spartan came over with all their topless running in obstacle racing, none of us um none of innovate o c r as a team we were then we all refused to ever take our tops off because we're like no this this is not how you race but what do, what do you I, think is I that don't the right know. Thing like
1: to do? like that whole like Black, it's, it's all like look at me I'm really ripped and that's like that's nice but do you have a girlfriend or a life no no you don't when was the last time you had a beer no no you don't and the writing in numbers all over yourself and all that I just find it I find it off-putting and I don't think it's inclusive because it's like I'm not going to take my top off because I haven't got a six pack so I think it makes people feel really uncomfortable maybe that's very British, maybe people should be allowed to do whatever they want, but I'm with you on this. I think you should have to keep your top on. Nobody wants to see Lee Stewart Evans running the monarch's way with no top on.
0: (laughs) But does Joe take his top off when he puts on his classical music for you?
1: No, because that would be a different type of massage, (laughs) wouldn't it? A totally different type of massage. (laughs) Which I would not approve of.
0: (laughs) Well, um how are we going to introduce Richard now? How are we going to segue from, uh, from, from, from one gorgeous man to another? From
1: topless runners to not a topless person that doesn't like running.
2: Hello, baders. It's producer Nick here. Just wanted to uh, give you all a quick heads up regarding audio quality during the interview. Uh, you'll hear that there's a few moments where uh, the audio skips along a little bit. That's due to the, um, the connection, uh, the internet connection between uh, Australia, Somerset and London. Uh, there's nothing we could really do about it um, and it does get better. It's just for a few seconds uh, each time. Um, just so you know that it's not your MP3 player or your generic fruit-based device that's malfunctioning.
0: So listeners, it's not often that we reach out to our, our Aussie cousins and um, we, in fact, I don't think we've ever had someone from Antipodea on the podcast yet, partly because we're we're too poor to take the air flights out ourselves and we're too ignorant to have, uh, to have discovered about them. But we wanted to speak to Richard because not only has he set a ridiculous number of world records, but um, he also has business out of running but not a business of just look at me and look at my pictures on instagram but actually helping others so it'll be really interesting to get him on to understand firstly what it's like running in um, australia especially in a place where everything wants to eat you and kill you to see how he's
2: use that to help other people so um,
0: was that good enough intro for you there Richard? Do you know what i
2: find interesting about it, that intro is and something you you've not done your research on there is that um <laughs> I, was, I was actually born in leicester Oh. I'm, a, I'm a fellow Englishman myself, so I've, I've been running for the last
1: twenty years. I'm going to be honest as well. It's more dangerous Australia. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I've been to Leicester, man. I know it's dangerous there. <laughs> I, I mean, often you'd say things
0: like, "What, what made you decide to leave?" But I mean, I think anyone who's been to Leicester would, would understand the decision.
2: <laughs> yeah, before so um, we headed over there, then? Interestingly, not. I've got Australia to blame for this running kind of journey that I've been on um i had no interest in that kind of stuff back then back there um pubs drinking having fun well um, i went traveling i went i went to the backpacking when i was quite young and I had an eight month stint in south america doing sort of the patagonian trails there trying to do them as quick as possible and i think that's kind of where it started just this idea of trying to cover some distance quickly if they said it takes it's a, it's a three-day hike it's like okay let's see if we can get get, get it done today then
0: Oh, interesting. So you weren't, you weren't setting out to like set records. It was just more of, uh, oh, you're telling me I can in this quickly. Um, I reckon I'm for it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And then, then when I actually came to Australia and started to live here, I was um, head down in a, in a sales career. I mm. just found myself packing on a whole bunch of weight. So really I just used running to, to lose weight. And uh, as that sort of journey unfolded, I, uh, I threw myself into doing a marathon, and I remember thinking, "Mate, if you do a marathon, it will change your life." And I crossed the finish line, and I was the most disappointed man ever because, like, is it didn't change my life. But like in the sun. But you look back, kind of, twenty years later, and yeah, it's massively changed. And do you think
0: we you looking for like a transformative spiritual moment then, as you cross the line? You...
2: I think so. Yeah, I thought, you know, put all this training in, and we all, we, we all know how hard it is to put, to put the training in. And I get there and I go, Okay, okay, that's kinda crap. I don't
0: won't do this again. <laughs> I think Especially as you you get that runner's high, then there's you almost have nothing left in your life once you finish the marathon because you've been building up to it, and it no one else really cares as much as you think they will do.
1: No, they care for like a day, and then it's like, oh, what was the point in that? Why why did I not see my friends for four months or drink any beer? <laughs> <laughs> so, so when did you
0: when did this turn into something that was? Because I mean the the level of distances and trails that you've taken on is is, is really like ridiculously long when did you it's towards that or was there some kind of uh did you get fired at work or something that then caused you to think why
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i've got no home. i like, might well carry on running
2: no it, well as i said before i was, I was using running to, to lose weight so i just continued running most mornings before before work and i kind of just one day just thought what would happen if i didn't stop today if it just kept going, well, where, where would I end up by lunchtime? Where, where would it be tonight? And I kind of pondered on that question for ages. And I thought, well, maybe I should probably go and do something like that. But I had no interest in doing that on on the road, in, a, in a, you know, running across the country or running across Australia. So I thought I'd love to do it off-road. Hmm. So I kind of kind of searched long-distance trails and found that we had – this one called the Bicentennial National Trail that's here in Australia, that runs the length of the the east coast of, of, of what they call the Great Dividing Range, and it's almost five and a half thousand cl- kilometres long. So, so I would, that, said, would we... that be from and to? That would be. So it's from uh, a place called Hillsville down in Victoria. Yeah. And runs all the way up to a place called Cooktown in far north Queensland. Two places. So it starts in the. I've heard in the of it in the states. So. Uh
0: gives me an, uh, an approximate idea. People yeah. get on the map, get on it's the map. Australia's massive, by the way. Yeah.
1: So, Richard, was it a case of, after you did your first marathon, did you do a couple of others, or were you just like, do you know what, well, that's not long enough, I'm just going to, like, go balls deep into, like, culture running? Or, or did yeah, you kind of shield up? Yeah,
2: pretty much. It was kind of like that. I mean, actually, I, before I did that, actually, I shut up and did the, the Everest marathon. Mm. So that that was my second marathon, was the Everest marathon.
1: That's punchy. Oh.
2: That's a punchy one. i yeah. okay, that one a crack. Um... And I think that's where sort of that mountains and the, the off-road stuff kind of really got kind of embedded in, in me. And I found that way more interesting. In fact, what I found more interesting, though, is the, was the attitude and how, how that affects you. And, and when, when I think about all the long-distance journeys that I've done since then, it's not really the running part that excites me. It's having to deal with some crazy situations that pop up when I'm already physically and mentally exhausted. That really excites me. Mm-hmm. um so when people say why do you do this it's it's for that i kind of want things to go wrong it makes yeah. it more fun
0: do you do you kind of run with um rolex watches gold chains and then advertise it just to see if you're going to get some people coming out with guns and to uh
2: yeah okay, I'm, I'm like the kanye i'm <laughs> i do like that 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 just to be challenged in more ways than just running a long way and and was
0: do you think that was a like were you aware of that in those first two marathons like were those first two marathons ones where you were absolutely on the line of racing as fast as you can or were they slightly out of your comfort zone and you hadn't really trained enough and it was getting through that wall of of pain
2: no, I think I, was, I, I think I did quite well with the training. I mean, I was, I was quite l- lucky to do a sub-three hour on the first, I think, for someone who's oh, nice, not, yeah. not, not really a runner. Um, and, uh, but I just, I, don't know, I just found it just to be – the, the thing is, It's hard for me is that – and you're going to hate this – but I'm not really a passionate runner. I don't find running that exciting. I don't think, yes, I can't wait to go out and do this event. Or, yes, I'm going to go out and run today. Or oh, the weather's lovely and I'm going to go out and run. I, I don't get excited by that. But though this weekend I was excited because it, there was storms outside. It was like, now that's more interesting. So now let's yeah. go out and do a long, a long run because it's raining, there's lightning bolts, it's blowing a gale and that's way more exciting.
1: Yeah, I'm actually with you on that and I think that, because obviously you know you go out and run and it's a beautiful day and everyone's having a nice time, but to be out, I was out a couple of weeks ago in, in Dorset and we had a 60 mile an hour storm, we were right on the cliffs, it was hailing, it got dark, we couldn't see where we were going, but that was much more fun than just going out in the morning on a clear still day because you kind of... <laughs> it's very selfish but you kind of feel heroic you're like this is amazing there's no one else out here i'm having a great time <laughs> i'm the reverse i
0: just i think in, in my head i think i'd be the most incredible runner if i lived in somewhere sunny and lovely i mean obviously i wouldn't be it's just not something nice to tell myself but i think there's nothing work because the trouble is in london you don't get extreme weather you just get miserable or quite nice and so the idea of having a beautiful sunny. Run every morning. It just—I—I I, maybe I'd am wrong, but I just think I'd love it every time, which of course isn't true. Um, but did did um with that first traverse then was that yeah did, did was it as straightforward as you expected or did it all go um, tits up?
1: Well, how long did it take for us? How long did it take?
2: Well, down that one, I I did a marathon a day for pretty much five months. Whoa. Whoa. And we, I,
0: I guess you had a – did you have a team with you and a vehicle? I so
2: had my partner at the time. I'll say at the time because we're not together anymore. Because when you're um sort of living in a tent together for five months, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> I I had a reason to run. I was running away. Um, oh, wow. No. <laughs> I you not told her, she just kept on following. I,
1: he said they were going camping. He said they were on a nice <laughs> camping trip.
2: <laughs> like they So she um, she used to meet me where she could have access to the trail. So this is the big the big problem in Australia is that when we go into the wilderness, it, it really is the wilderness. Mm. Um, the Great Dividing Range kind of sits on I guess where the beach is on the coast and the outback. Mm-hmm. So it's a mountainous kind of uh, trail. And uh, yes, yeah, so she she used to meet me as and when, and that could be ev- every day, that could be ev- every week, that could be every t- two weeks. So I pretty much can't get into the bits or. Yeah, you just can't access the trail. It's just, it's just a remote trail. It's actually, um, uh, it used to be called the National Horse Trail, which I kind of, I know there's a, j- a joke in there somewhere, but um, I, um, so yeah, the, the National Horse, Horse Trail, so it's made up of old, um, like stock routes and stuff from when the drovers used to drove the, the cattle down from the north and stuff. Um so it's pretty it's pretty gnarly I mean the, the track doesn't exist in some places. There's lots of electric fences that I never knew were electric until I put my first leg over. <laughs> um, there's barbed wire fences, a bit that that doesn't mean there's any properties nearby because Australia is so best. Hmm. Um, so it's just yeah, just tough, gnarly wilderness for the for the best part. And how do you navigate that? Is it
0: actually accurate to a map or, or you're on a GPS or are you very much <laughs> just heading north? Well this one,
2: well, they, they, these long trails, Dave, is what they often call um, li- living trails, meaning that they move because uh, property owners and, and new legisl- legislations and all sorts of stuff. So, the trails not always that accurate. It can it can adjust and change slightly. So, when so when they say it's five thousand three hundred and thirty, I mean it's probably more like six thousand. The time you've gone around things and, and done you know different routes and stuff. Um, so yeah it's it is constantly changing. So yeah it was it's just a, it's just a challenge. You just kind of kind of figure it out and sometimes you find yourself in places that you probably shouldn't be. Um And
0: what what is in the middle of Australia? I mean what what are you is this I I I, I can't even visualize what terrain it would be. Are you up in mountains? Is it
2: desert? Is it shrubland? Yes, is it it's mountains there on, along the Great Great Divide. The Great, the great Divide in Range is, is a mountain range. Um, its, highest, its highest points are down here in Victoria and moving into New South Wales, which is where Sydney is. Um, we have a ski season there. Um, it's where Australia's biggest mountain is. How high does it get up to? So I'm not sure what Mount Kosciuszko is actually. I probably should know that. I don't know. It's not ridiculously high. Yeah. Um, it's, it's you know we have a ski season it's it's mountainous it's cold it's miserable at times you know it's not like it's i think when people think of australia they think of be- beaches and surfing and stuff they don't think that we might have a ski season you know like, oh you you, you guys ski in australia that's really weird <laughs> <laughs>
0: and so did you was there issues with finding water and carrying enough fuel and things like that
2: uh, water not uh, in, in Australia. Water wasn't really a, a problem. There's, there's plenty of water. Um, I mean, run out of pl- plenty of food. I mean, you just run out of food, and you're going for a week. I mean, because the the, the, the challenge is when you when you don't get daily support is that. It's knowing what to take and what not to take, meaning that you don't want to take too much stuff because it's too heavy and it slows you down. But then at the same time, you want to be safe and you want to be warm and you want to make sure you're eating correctly. Um, so it's always that, that sort of balancing on a, on a knife edge to get that right. So I'd often just like not take enough food and just not eat for three days and you know, but just making sure I'm getting water and stuff in. But like, but like I said before, I often used to like that. I think sometimes I used to not pack my bag properly intentionally so things
1: would go wrong <laughs> <laughs> <So laughs> what? did you have in place for like safety like did you did you say right, i'm gonna do this run i'm gonna plan it out this is me right i plan it out with a spreadsheet and yeah. i talk to people I get through yeah. i'm it like i, I talked to loads of people but it sounds like you just went oh do you know what i'm just gonna do a, a, a five month run and not worry too much about it is that is that kind of how it happened
2: That's exactly how I do all these things. All these adventures I've done, I've pretty much done like that. I mean, look, I get sponsored. I get funded. There is a kind of a bit of a plan in place. It's not completely random. But at the same time, I don't have like a a strict running regime, training plan, uh, specific specific foods that I... I eat. I don't have a refined diet. I'm really loose and easy, and I think that is actually why I've had, I've had success because it makes me really adaptable and flexible to anything that, that that might happen. In fact, if I go go out for a hike with, with my girlfriend, she she hates it because I'll just pack the bag ten minutes before we leave because I just don't. It's three days. I think. Well, if I don't pack the right stuff, what's the worst that's going to happen? Might not sleep very well. Might not eat very very well. It's only three days. I'm not going to die, so I don't. I, I just have this mindset where I'm super fle- flexible about stuff, and I don't worry about it because I know it will work, it, work itself out. Um, and uh, yeah, as I say, I think that's why I've had have had good good su- success.
0: So what what goes in this? Say you've got a week that you're you know until the next checkpoint. What are you putting in, and what are you leaving out that we'd probably put in?
2: Well, the first of all, you don't know if it's, it's going to be a week or not. You hope it's going to be a week. You, you kind of take it an estimate that you're going to be there in a week. Um, and you hope that also that the support's going to get there too, because you don't know if there's going to be a road in necessarily. Hmm. Um, because the, prob- the, the problem with uh, such, such long distance trails is that they have these, these things that they call paper roads which are roads that are on a map that don't exist in real life. <laughs> Do you get that the middle of a field, or just, it's just a mountain top. It's just the, the no... crease of the fold of the map.
0: That like, <laughs> uh, it, it goes straight across in a straight line every 50 miles.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sometimes it has a hole in it. Sometimes it's got a massive lake, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So there's that, and then, yeah, I mean, food-wise, I mean, I I just, I can't be bothered with cooking. It just, that means I've got to take a a cooker or some descriptions. I just take a whole bunch of muesli bars, but then they're too heavy, so I just swap them around for gels. So I find myself for a week eating gels, like... Oh, my God. Like a jump-up
1: teenager. like, jumps up on sugar, <laughs> running along these pot. That's insane. Oh like, I'm God. so big on food. I'm, like, massive on savoury sandwiches, like, wayfarer packs. Like, I can't imagine just doing that on gels. That's insane. What's your stomach yeah, doing?
2: It's, well, it's actually, it, it, you kind of crave that stuff. I remember when I, have when I've, uh, like, got back to the camping for like, when I've got support, and I've just had, like, a, a huge meal, and then I'll just make a sandwich on white bread with butter and sugar just thick butter and sugar on there, which when I think about that now is really disgusting. <laughs> but just crape that stuff. You just cannot, cannot get enough, enough calories into your body. Um, so how many you just gels- do anything. You don't really care. Like how many gels would you say you'd eat a
0: day then when
2: you're you're out of these longer stints? So on an average day, I do 12, 12 gels on top of other food. Whoa. but energy bars as well you know energy bars moody bars yeah i do sometimes carry some sandwiches and stuff i mean to put that i've
0: done nine nine gels in a in a marathon so you're there another 21 hours um wow and and are you taking because my 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 first thought would be um taking every kind of antidote to spiders then every kind of antidote to have you got scorpions over there? I bet you do probably probably, <laughs>
2: probably like, is, everything
0: is that anything that you do you just have to not even consider wild animals like that?
2: Well you do consider them I mean it, look it's, the thing is about trolling in Australia is that you have to there is snakes there's snakes in every, every state um, and you look the chances of me seeing one on a week to week basis is pretty slim um, I've seen one this year and I was I was pretty remote and I just have to jump over it um, So you do have to take them into consideration and every trail runner here should have a snake bite kit But not many people do So it's not really a concern for my, for most runners. I don't stress about it too much I mean they're, they're there and if you get bitten, you're probably gonna die. But um, But people still sort of don't, don't care about it too much. So would you army um, one typically? I, I, I generally carry one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Good. Good. Uh, the dogs are always the biggest concern because they they follow you. They they hunt you down in packs. You know, they're pretty scary. So what
0: do you do when something like that? Because I, I guess the first time you encountered them, you probably weren't aware that that was even a consideration.
2: You pick up the pace. <laughs> <laughs> and if it, you just have to make yourself big and, and, and you know, loud and yell at them and you know they they, they look I've never been attacked so I've just been followed for three days straight you know which makes it hard yeah, to I sleep had, at night same thing but and...
1: with cows so you know cows are scary <laughs> like when they come for you um, <laughs> but, quite, but kangaroos are quite bad as well aren't they if you get kicked by a kangaroo you're in really big trouble
2: yeah but the chances are pretty slim you'd have to go and corner it and be mean to it for it to give you a kick. <laughs>
1: But those those dogs, they're
0: probably acting like vultures. They've probably seen how weak you're looking with all those just gels that you're relying on. And they they think you're about to keel over and, and dinner's just around the corner. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's funny when I did uh, Israel's National Trail, I um, I woke up uh, in my tent one night. I'd slept in this this thing called a a Maktesh, which is like a giant crater. And it's like sixty kilometers wide, this giant crater, and all the wildlife kind of lives inside this crater. And I woke up in the morning. I was like, I was packing up the tent. I was thinking to myself, "Is that a dog over there? Oh no, they're hyenas over there." <laughs> Ooh. Oh, hyenas slurring at the mouth. And I'm like, geez, these are a bit worse than the dogs of Australia. And, it, and at the time, I had a really bad foot, foot infection, and the sole of my foot was hanging off. And I wondered if that's what they could smell. What dirty. dirty solid
0: my thought well there's recently been a, a, a new david attenborough suit in the uk where it shows hyenas attacking a lion like going for a full adult male which gives you some context of how bad we'd be in comparison to like a full lion. so um yeah i mean well we'll get on to israel after <laughs> after, after <laughs> but um so were you were you camping
2: then in tents generally yeah a bit of both and then we had a camper van so when the campervan could get in i got a, a proper night's sleep in a camper van and
0: with your um, were you just running all day and then collapsing in the tent or did you actually have a set distance that you were trying to figure out and, and were you navigating by map by watch
2: by yeah well all, all of the above so i was navigating with a uh, handheld device a gps device hmm. Um, and, and a hard map, you just have to, I think it just makes, makes sense when you're out in the world enough to have, have both those things. Um, and then the distance was, I was just trying to make them the marathon distance a day. That was kind of my thing back then. You know, this, is, this is the first adventure I've ever did. Um, I thought to myself when I went into that, I think I can run a marathon a day. I think that's possible. And at worst, you can actually walk it a day anyway. I mean, through through hikers do eighty k's a day. So you know, you can you can. I thought I thought to myself, that's that's manageable. Um, and and that's kind of what I, I aim for each day.
1: It kind of depends, though, right? Because you like in my head, a marathon a day is very achievable. And I was I was in Panama in December, and and. We had to go to the jungle we were like 13 miles a day. And I'm like, that is so easy. We'll be hanging out in hammocks. We'll be, you know, drinking <laughs> beers and having a great time. But actually, we were managing eight miles a day because the terrain was so hard that, that that we just couldn't go any further. Like, it was very, very – so did you ever get to the point where you were like, this terrain is so challenging now that I'm going to have to kind of rejig my, my marathon a day plan?
2: Uh, no, what happens when the, when the, when the terrain becomes really ch- challenging? For an example, like a, a dry creek bed that goes to 30 kilometers and there's just giant rocks in it. So you're just rock hopping through the whole whole day, for 30 kilometers, well, at least, at least 30 kilometers up. Um, I actually, my intensity picks up. It actually excites me. I go, right, I'm going get all anxious about it because I need to finish the distance today. I don't want to stuck out in this dry creek bed in the dark. I don't want to sleep on the dry creek bed. And I actually go go quicker. And what what i found, through all the adventures that I've done, is that when I get a day that let's say the team might say, "Oh, today, Rich, we, we we can be with you all day. You're on a farm track. We'll just drive behind you. You can leave your pack in the van. It's it's all too easy. That's the worst day for me. It takes me so." Pretty long to do 85k or whatever the day is consists of but if i'm in really rough terrain i find that i I bite it off far much far much easier and and more quickly
0: and and when you say you have an easy day without the trucks and what, what do you spend the rest of your i guess up to 16 hours doing
2: well, is this when, when I'm running or when I'm, yeah, sorry, when,
0: I'm yeah when you when you so say you have an easy day, but you know no one can access you. Are you just kind of sat contemplating life for the in your tent, or do you do you try and push on and actually get some more mileage in?
2: No, I generally push on. Yeah, if we're talking about later the later adventures, I I upped the uh, the daily distance. So I went from doing the single marathon distance here in Australia on the big giant trail, that was at least the longest I've ever done, and then I thought, well, I'll do something a bit shorter. It's a thousand kilometers, but I'll just double the distance each, each day. So that, because that, is
0: that in your head, what you thought was the next, I guess, challenge up that would excite you?
2: I think so. Yeah, I think so. And it didn't really.
0: So, <laughs> so just to cap off the first one, then, was was that kind of big news in Australia? Was that something that helped catch people's imagination? Or was it almost too far out of people's um understanding to really get
2: behind i think it still is i think it still is out of people's it just they can't they can't w- work it out i mean look it's it, what i've done is not i don't see see it being that amazing but really there's people all over the world doing all sorts of wonderful amazing things um and are far stronger and have run further than me uh, i i don't think it's that amazing myself um but yeah i mean obviously if the average person particularly who's not a runner just goes up, they just cannot fa- fathom that and then you get the runners that go Oh, I could have done that too, but then but their trail running is along the beach, and you go, well, it's not the same. Mm. Running along the beach track is not the same as heading into the mountains, and then having to carry all that stuff on your back as well. Um, well, I mean, I think any anyone, and then, as I said before, done something can't, hasn't really got a
0: right to ever say they can do anything
2: because <laughs> you never really. understand No, going to. it's totally stupid. I mean, yeah. uh, he, I mean, these in Australia here. I mean the the. There's, there's, there's two, two giant complications that, that I had. The first one is that I had to cross the Daintree River. And the Daintree River here is famous for its crocodiles. So I get to this river bank and I have to try and figure out how to get across it. So I can kind either of run all the way back into this sort of town they call Daintree, which would be added another 40 kilometers on, onto the day, just to cross, cross over. Um, there, was no, there was no boat, no bridge. And I was definitely on on the the trail because that's the only place that the sign posted. It's just that the sign pointed across the river. <laughs> oh wow!
1: You're gonna have to get in there, buddy. Have to get in <laughs> yeah,
2: absolutely, totally, totally. And it, and then it, I guess in in my own mind as well, I'm thinking, well, I, I don't want to get a boat because that's not completing the trail in its entirety. That's kind of cheating <laughs> for that section there. So I did end up wading across there. Is, uh, is there a, to-
0: a sure sign way of checking for crocs? Like, can you? shout something or throw enough rocks and see if it moves or I mean, no, is, this, all. is this something you're all trained on when you get through immigration
2: absolutely yeah um, <laughs> no, I mean but it's funny because what, what happened was is that I uh, the, my partner came down in the truck he could actually access the trail at this point in, in the river and, uh, and what happened was that, that same track that she drove in on just dipped into one side of the river and popped out 100 metres the opposite side of the river and I'm looking at this going, F this. This is ridiculous. I'm, I don't want to do this. Sorry? Because of the current? No, because the track is dipped in, under the water. So it was, it was like a four-wheel drive track that went th- through the, through the oh, river. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I just remember saying, forget this. So I actually didn't do it. I canned it that, that, that night. And I jumped in the van and we drove down to that Daintree village. And I thought, I still don't want to go over by the boat that's down there because it's, it's kind of cheating. So I'm not sure what to do. And then I probably made the biggest mistake in my running career and decided that that evening I'd go on a crocodile cruise. <laughs> oh no because <laughs> if you make friends with them then they're yeah. not going to attack you
1: I'll go throw some yeah. burgers in for them I remember
2: it was crazy and they're like literally every five meters and the massive every five meters along the riverbank and the the uh, the tall guy was saying how dangerous it is and blah 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 anyway all the tourists get off and I'm sitting in the back kind of shaking <laughs> He goes, are you all right, mate? I said, oh, oh yeah, I've just, uh, just got a question for you. I need to cross the river tomorrow. He goes, oh, yeah, you just get the ferry just down there. I said, no, on, on, on foot. And I told him kind of the area I needed to cross over. He says, look, mate, I'm never going to tell anybody to cross the crocodile and face River, river on, on foot. It's a bit stupid. And then he said this classic Australian line that we, ha- we have here. And he goes, but she'll be right, mate. <laughs> Um, and he goes. Actually, that part of the river is actually it's, it, you'll be you'll be fine. So that that night, I didn't sleep and I was and turning, thinking, This is crazy. Have
0: you watched that, Andy? The knife turning trick.
2: <laughs> yeah. I did the, the finger thing and. Choo- <laughs> um So I get back to the uh, the banks of the river the following day, and I'm still crapping myself, and mm-hmm. I actually kind of laughed. And then I'm standing on the side of the bank. I hear these motorbikes. These sort of trial. Uh, trail bikes coming down the opposite side of the river and they came down to the river and just drove straight through the river and i find out it's about half a fo- half a foot deep
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I, I see the in this water Uh so that made me look like a bit of a fool but i mean it, i mean it's fun enough to be scared where, right? where
1: do you draw the line there, richard like because mm. because you know, you know that's like right i could actually and they're quick that i've, I've we saw them in panama they're quick little bastards crocodiles the log floating and suddenly they're like s- snapping like let's draw the line on safety you know mm. as i'd be like i really want to finish this run i know i'm going to get on the boat i'll run around and around the boat as it's going as it's mm. crossing <laughs> i've actually run and then i'll get off because for my personal safety i want to be able to finish this and i don't want to die like it seems to me like you get massive of thought that you might actually die really <laughs> me.
2: and then on the other side when we speak, when we speak about israel in a bit i'll tell you why I just do these things. I, I, I that in that country it kind of t- t- triggered for me. Um but uh across yeah. rivers was going to be dead and across uh, a wild b- bushman so he called himself with a shotgun and he stuffed it in my mouth and time was going to blow my brains out.
0: Oh nice. What? Nice. <laughs> What, had you done something to offend him or was it just
2: your mere presence or? Short, a little bit too short, I don't know. Um, but I, it was just a like lot of white people. Like people are just living out in, in the bushlands with kind of no house, little wooden huts, no driveways. Who knows what, what, what they're doing? In fact, before that, I'd actually seen shipping containers built into the side of cliffs with wire, with patrolling petroleum, with machine guns. It's not even, this is Australia, this is South America. It's not Colombia. this is Australia. <laughs> you just you just turn a blind eye and all those kind of things. So we've done... So, are they off grid is like what are they called the um, yeah, it's kind of. i don't know what it's called but yeah but they're, they're, they're like people
0: who are trying to just stay isolated from society
2: well, uh, yeah and i don't think it's could be an eco thing i think it's probably because they're not good people mm. and i think this guy was one of those people and he just he said get off my land but he, he didn't have any land this wasn't his land and when and when you're trying to explain to somebody like, like that what you're doing you realize how ludicrous that sounds. Oh, I'm just running five and a half thousand kilometers. Yeah, of course you're gonna believe me. <laughs> um, so he just got angry and he wanted to blow my brains out. So I had to do a bit of negotiating and finally I, I got through. Wow,
0: and um, I mean, did that when, that, when moments like that happen, do you come out of it like full of adrenaline and then smash out 10 miles as fast as you can? Or do you think maybe I shouldn't be doing this?
2: Uh, i didn't think i should be doing this you know it's funny i um w- what i've done since i've done these adventures is i actually took a year out and i actually sat down with a whole bunch of psychological experts it's quite it's quite fitting for most people again that's quite, quite quite fitting um and i wanted to first of all i wanted to figure out why i done what i have done because I, I can't explain that to people they ask me i used to just make shit up because i actually don't know <laughs> And then what a lot of these experts around the country from all sort, all sorts of walks of, of um, psychology were saying, well, sometimes it's just because. People just do stuff because it was right at the time. I mean, you can look through your life and figure out it's just, just, just because. And um, so I thought, okay, if the answer is just because, let's figure out how I've done this then, because that's that's kind of more important than figure out how, how I've done it, as this everyday guy who's not really a runner. And um, when i when i was sort of going back through that that whole experience for the shotgun they kind of all said to me when wow like you you said that like so casually with no emotion and no fear and when i look back at it I, I wasn't scared at all now this doesn't make me a superhero but i just i just wasn't i just had no fear i didn't feel uncomfortable i felt quite clear headed, quite confident. And I just came had this kind of this banter with him backwards and forwards. And eventually I, I guess I kind of cracked him and my he, he helped me out and showed me showed me the way. Um and what I can even bring that back to is that when you have lots and lots and lots of experiences that are like that, like the crocodiles, like being chased by wild dogs and a whole bunch of oh other things on a daily basis, essentially, is that you, by default, you prepare yourself for something you could never be prepared for. So I just got all these little strategies and ways to, to overcome my fears and the things that make me feel uncomfortable. And, and I was really, really quite ca- casual about it. And it was the very end of my trip. So I was really kind of, I, I just didn't care
1: it's just a gun this is this is really interesting like because i you know i'm fascinated by the psychology of why we do these things and i've i've actually described ultra running and endurance running as self-harm because it is because you're pushing yourself to the point that your body might break but it's a better way of doing it than applying yourself with booze and drugs and stuff but um the fact that was there any point in uh, on that first adventure where you sat down and had a cry or you were really, really afraid and you phoned someone and said, I don't know what I'm doing? Like, was there any point at all? Or did you just keep, like, really level-headed through the whole thing?
2: Uh, I cried. Yeah, I definitely cried. Um, but do you know what? It's funny when, when I've cried. I've cried lots of times, actually. I've cried a lot. But it's it's never because I feel uncomfortable about the situation. It's because I just get emotional. I start feeling sorry for the things I've done in my past or, you know, I shouldn't have treated my sister like that way and I shouldn't have stole a Barbie doll when we were seven, you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Um, just that emotional, emotional stuff. But in terms of um, sort of freaking out about stuff, no. And I don't think you would go into such a thing if you thought like that. I uh, just, uh, you know, people say you you get blisters, and I go, I, it, no, because if I did, I'm not going to dream up running five and a half thousand kilometres. That'd be just a ridiculous thing to dream up. And it's, I think it's kind of the, the same thing. I just, I just, uh, I know I can, I can do it. Um, I don't necessarily know how, but uh, I, I know I'll, I'll, I will work it out. And do you think um, it's partly self-flagellation? Well, it's definitely, it definitely comes back to my why which i can't explain but the only way i can explain my why is that it is it's it's what i call essentialness it's something that's so essential to me that i need to do it it's not something i want to do and i'm just compelled to do it and i can't explain what what it is i can't actually say oh this is my this is my my why and i think that's the state you need to kind of get into if you're going to really if you're really going to achieve something I think it needs, it needs to be something that you have to do and not want want to do. And that is ridiculously p- powerful because I've, I've questioned that before. I've gone, man, why are you pulling me through in, in this direction or through this particular situation? Because I actually don't want to do it, but I need to. I have to do it. Um, and I, that sort of was a realisation over in, in Israel because I was running on a foot infection for seven days
1: straight
2: that when I eventually collapsed and they rushed me to, a hospital in Jerusalem they said mate this is nearly an amputation stage w- what are you doing and I just remembered sort of taking that next day off and pondering that question yeah why am I doing this why am I doing this it's like because I have to I just I think, need to do it.
0: I think that that's I guess would be my concern being um, paternal again is that as soon as challenges get to a certain size like a a, a certain um distance like crazy distance or just month or uh, months out or even financial risk then that puts so much weight on um having to finish in your decisions that when you throw in factors like being in israel or all these incredibly dangerous situations in australia you're having to make decisions that you've got <clears> such a strong weight on i need to finish that it's going to pressure you to potentially doing the wrong ones
2: Yeah, uh, yes and no so there's two there's two things on that i'm glad you touched on that so it, it, i yeah i make myself massively accountable massively to so many different people like people there's people who i hold myself accountable to who don't even know that they hold me accountable if that makes sense and i mean i think obviously it starts with like you your family and your your loved ones first i think if you say you're going to do something you're kind of accountable to them and then the next thing is that you got obviously your friends and then i loaded up with all sorts of things i've got sponsors i've got people that funded it and that i obviously adds the pressure on there too um and then i I've got an online community, and I've got a charity, and and then I start adding people from uh, situations where I've met people. So there was this this young boy called Jack. Uh, he was seven years old at the time, and when I came into a town on the Australia run, I used to go into these schools and just do a little chat for twenty minutes about the crazy animals I'd saw and stuff. And uh, the headmaster said to me, she says, um, we're going to have, we we know you're going to be, be here in a month's time or so. Um, if you can get your team to tell me when exactly you'll be here, we'll have like a wear red to school day and the kids can all wear red and they'll pay two dollars and we'll give that to Mm -hmm. your charity. I said, Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. No problem. So I get to the school and, uh, I've got all of these Santa's little helpers in red, And I tell them about the stories, blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, I need to get back on the trail because, you know, I'm, I'm on the deadline kind of thing. And uh, so I just tried to look around for the head principal couldn't find her. and then I, uh, I left and this little boy ran up, ran up to me and he goes, there you go, sir, and he gave me an envelope and he ran off. And I went to the, to leave the school and then another lady came up. She says, oh, did, did you get your envelope? I said, yes, can you thank the principal for the, the money because I just can't find it. I've got to get back on the trail. She says, no, the principal, This that, that envelope there in your hand, I said, yeah. She says, No, no. Did that did that boy over there give you that envelope? I said, Yeah. She goes, Oh, that's that's my son Jack. He saw what you were doing on Facebook three month three month, months ago and he's been saving all his pocket money up for you oh, so you can give it to oh. your charity. <sighs> and that still puts the hairs on the back of my neck up, telling that. Was
0: was Jack I'm, was Jack not wearing any shoes and he looked really hungry as well. <laughs> well,
2: I'm, I'm thinking of Jack's as a seven year old, but Jack's probably 22 now and going out <laughs> getting drunk and getting, getting laid. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, that, that's someone that goes on my accountability list because I think to myself, damn, if some kid, some seven year old boy, can save his car washing money up for three months, and I get to a situation when I question it, I go, Jack, it's just another layer of people that I'm accountable to. But is yeah, it sometimes- an extra pressure to cross that crocodile infested river? Yeah, it's a massive pressure. This is what I'm trying to say to you. But the thing is, when you when you layer it, layer all these people like this, of course, it adds a huge amount of pressure. So you you're definitely held ac- accountable and you're responsible, but you also feel obligated to carry out some stuff, and that's kind of where we've gone with this. But if you think of that as a, um, if you think of that as a, uh, a pyramid, right? So you're on the you're um, so upside down an upside down pyramid. So you're on the, the point end at, at the bottom mm. and all these people on the top, just all that weight, holding you accountable to what, to what you want to achieve. But the way I look at that is I go, well, I can see that as just pressure, but if I was to flip that pyramid up, upside down, all of a sudden I'm on, I'm on the top of that now. And I've got a massive amount of support I've got people that are, there, that, that want me to su- succeed. They're there for me. And now I, can validate my ideas, my ideas of them. I can be engaged in what what, what I'm doing. So it kind it kind of works both ways. It doesn't just have to be this this huge amount of pressure. It's, it's also the fact that you go, well, actually, these people care, and I'm supported, and I can you know I can get I can get feedback from these people. So so say
0: hypothetically, um, at the end of that run, there's one river to cross right at the finish line, and you can see one crocodile that you reckon you can outrun through the river. Would you give it a go? <laughs>
2: I don't, <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Probably.
1: Likely to. Yeah. Yeah. Just so. so you know, hellard you can't outrun a crocodile. You can't <laughs> do that. It's just not possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Richard, one of the one of the things I'm really interested in is this idea of accountability and um, and. Almost pressure because I have uh, like I'm an endurance runner, I may need to excuse the fact I'm slow and I don't want to do hill repeats or tempo runs <laughs> but I try and take all accountability off me because I find that that pressure makes me actually not I mean, you've said you don't enjoy running particularly, but it, it doesn't make me happy. It doesn't, you know, I, I'm always like, it's just about me. And of course, raising money is great. And of course, like inspiring other people to do stuff is amazing. But I find that I feel extremely uncomfortable if I have this idea that I have to do something because someone else thinks that I can. So have you ever come across a situation where you actually can't? And how have you, how have you dealt with that?
2: Um, I think it goes back to what I said before is that I need to do it anyway. So this is just another line of defense for me. It's just another reason for me to keep pushing through stuff. So I don't, feel it's a, I don't feel uncomfortable with it. I actually quite like it. I quite like the fact that I've got all these people relying on me, particularly when it comes to like sponsors and people paying money for you to do stuff. Um, I mean, it, that, that, whole, that whole idea of being accountable took me over to Indonesia where I ran across the northern tip of Sumatra um, from pretty much coast, coast to coast and ended up running around an exploding volcano. The government had evacuated twenty thousand people from, from the area. It was it was a lockdown. It was raining rocks and ash from the sky. It was crazy, and I actually ran around the base of it. Um, well, me and a camera guy, which is kind of funny. He, he must have been in that case too. Um, but the but I knew it was active, and I, and it kind of excited me. It's like damn, that could be just that's a different way of running. That'd be just really really insane. So what I did was that I used that huge sort of um, group of people that I'm accountable to. I, you know, I flip the model around and look at it in a support aspect and I go, okay well let let me validate if this is a good a good idea or not. Let me ask the community let us ask the people that support me you know is this, would this be a smart thing to do now the the thing the interesting thing is is that the people closest to you are always going to say no like when i'm i' when I'm struggling and stuff you know you your partner's always going to say perhaps you should stop right but someone on the outer streams, like a sponsor, would say. Well, just get on with it. Like we thought, you thought we thought you might get sore feet. Rich, just get on with it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you, some, you, you, it, it's almost like the mass of people make this, this decisions for you because I just go somewhere in in the in the middle, and so people say no, other people say yes, and somewhere in the middle is like, well, no, it should be right if you do this, and you get all this 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 feedback. Um, so I, I I use that group of people to to make decisions on stuff all the time. Um, and it, it, it's it's um, so far it's worked it's worked out. I'm not I'm not dead yet.
0: But has when you you mentioned this foot infection that you ran on, and obviously it had almost had very dire consequences. Did that make you? Has that changed your outlook slightly on how you prepare yourself physically, and also what you're prepared to do during these challenges? Um,
2: it's it. I actually don't. I I don't. I, sorry, I didn't like finding out. How I did that, how I'm able to push myself. I wish I didn't know now. So it's a funny thing. It's like you when you start figuring out why you do stuff, it kind of doesn't. I give I give you an example. For for a lot of my life, I've visualized stuff in great detail. Even to the point where, if I if we're going out for dinner with friends, and I go I, I get get in the shower, and I'll be thinking about the night ahead, how how it's going to go, what it's going to be like, how much fun we're going to have conversation we're we're, going to have and then i'll get there and it'll be just like that exactly the like almost so 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 detailed and i've done that with adventures too but when you figure out that that, that's what you do you start trying to do it and then it doesn't work so i start trying to visualize what's going to happen in the future and then again it's nothing like that at all so sometimes you're best not to find out exactly how how you do stuff so i don't like the fact that i know that i'm willing to push myself because now i'm not sure if i can because i know i can because i know how it works if that makes sense no you've lost you've lost that one. yeah i thought
1: about it <laughs> it kind of makes sense but it's like but you know with any of these things it's always there could be a massive span of threads thread that you've got that you just don't even think about like it's a really interesting way to look at it but i tell you know the, the way i the way i do it is i don't visualize it as much as i'm like i'm gonna chuck i'm gonna chunk this down into manageable chunks like if it's, if it's a, a race that's gonna go on for 40 hours i'm like well the first 20 are going to be the fun run where i'm having a really great time and then the race really starts when people start dropping out or the challenge really starts when people start dropping out and that's kind of as far as i'll go because i'm so aware of something going wrong that i can't control that i just don't want to think that far ahead um maybe i should try your strategy. <laughs>
2: Well, the thing is, I, I believe I have a huge amount of control over what's going to happen. Like, not the actual event. I can't predict a guy with a shotgun. I, I, just, I can't even dream that up. You just can't. In fact, it's not a dream. It's a nightmare anyway. Um, but, what I, but what I can prepare for is how I'm going to feel in those kind of those situations. Yeah. I, know I, I act the same no matter what I'm scared of. I know how I act when I'm uncomfortable. I know how I act when I'm afraid or when I'm overwhelmed. I know how I've been doing it all my life. You act the same, right? We're all old enough and ugly enough to know how we you know, respond to stuff. Yeah. So for me, it's like, well, I'll, I'll do something about that now because I know at some stage in this adventure, shit's going to go down. <laughs> And I'll be prepared for it. And if we go back to that shotgun moment, that's exactly what happened. I already had the strategies in place to overcome my fear, overcome being uncomfortable, overwhelmed, that I could actually take control of the situation and be calm. And I probably likely freaked the guy out because I was so calm and he had a shotgun stuck in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> I was going, wow, this guy is like Jason Bourne. He's going to get it. Um, but you do. You just, it, it, I, I have these, these strategies that I, I, I put in place way before the events are, li- are likely to happen. Because you know, right, we, we all know when we go out for a, particularly a long distance run, that it's going to be a time you want to give up or something's a bit sore or whatever the case m- might might be. It's like, well, if you know that's going to happen, surely you should do something about it before it, before it arises. Because the, 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 pro- the problem is, is that we, we get caught up in our emotions and then you can't think your way out of it. Um, just trying to think of an example. So I, I, I did the, the, the Tierra Rueta trail in New Zealand. It's one that Jess, Jess Bragg did. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, in fact, he was—I just finished, and he was on the trail behind me. So that's, that's, how, that's how close we were together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I was warned by the Parks uh, New Zealand that this particular section I was going in, into was the weather was really, really bad there. So this mountain range is about to go, go into, it takes the most experienced mountaineer's lives. He like said just two weeks ago, we found two um, hikers perished in these mountains. Like it happens all God. the time. So be on your A game, as you said to me. And so I was going to be out there for three days. So I packed a whole bunch of stuff and that's probably the only time I did kind of overdo the packing and uh, headed off into these, these mountains. Well, on the last day, they they weren't wrong it was really bad like really bad like the worst weather I've ever been in um I couldn't see a foot in front front of me I couldn't see my feet I was on a ridge line pretty high altitudes Uh, there was lightning bolts striking the ground around me it was sideways wind just trying to blow me off my feet it was torrential rain it was freezing cold everything was wet and I I, that's about the only time I felt really out of my depth I was like shit this is I'm I'm not this kind of person, you know. I am do some long distance runs, but I'm not a—I'm not this mountain guy. Mm. And then I was thinking, damn, this is cold, and I'm wet, and, and all these things started to happen, right? The fears and the anxieties, and I'm not good enough, and I don't—I shouldn't be here, and this is ridiculous. And as so quickly as I started thinking like that, I, suddenly I tumbled, and I was tumbling for ages, and then I hit the ground, bam, my back. And I am just lying there, just staring up into this this thick fog and all the light lightning going around and they didn't feel anything anymore it's like damn i don't feel cold anymore i don't feel wet anymore i don't feel scared oh, i don't feel anything I, I i don't know if i was there for two hours two days 30 minutes i've no idea i actually thought i was dead i thought this big hand was going to come out of this thick thick cloud and say well, welcome oh, one of those kind of things. <laughs> And eventually, I wiggled my fingers and toes, and I, I, I kind of came back, back to life, and the weather hit, hit, hit me again. It was cold, and I, uh, I went to get up, and I couldn't. So, I mean, what happened is my backpack had got wedged in between these two rocks, so I was trying to pull my pack out, and pull my pack out, and as I did that, I realized that my legs were swinging underneath me, and I was hanging on the edge of the cliff face. Oh, my gosh. So I was saved by two rocks. I was wow, It's like, so wedged into the side? Yeah. So I had to really slowly try to unravel myself and climb back up to the, the, top, of the, the top of this ridge line. And, uh, and that, that was scary stuff. I, I, was, I, nearly was a, a, I, I nearly did get that big hand come out of the sky for real. Um, but the thing is, is this, this, and this is my point, is that all that happened there was me, myself and I. Like Me, myself and I, and that's enough at times to make it really, really complicated. All I need to do is keep putting one foot in front of the other. I know how to run. I've been in the mountains before, but yeah, I got caught up in all those fears and anxieties and oh my God, and then you, you lose control. You can't, you can't be effective when you're in, in, in that state. You can't think the way out of stuff. And the thing, I was fe- 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 the thing I was fearing the most actually happened. <laughs> but is, isn't the counterpoint
0: of that, that fear is to stop you getting into those circumstances?
2: Um, not, not in those because that's, that's a different side of fear. I mean, if you're looking at fear, in, there's fear and there's danger. <laughs> Crocodile Festival is danger. Mm. That's different, right? Um, these fears I had were just irrational. I don't, I, oh, I'm not sure if I should be here. Well, I'm there, so just get on with it. Do you know what I am mean? not sure if I should be here. I'm having I'm, I'm my depth here. I'm not, I don't like this weather. This is scary. I'd love a cuddle for my mum right now. You know, <laughs> those kind of things are going through mm. my mind. And, rather than just getting on with the job. So what I realize now is that I go, okay, well, I put strategies in place. So when I'm going to be scared, when I'm going to be out of my depth, when a situation arises, I'm just thinking, damn, I I have no idea how how to do this. And then when it arises, which it always is going to, I'm already prepared for it. I don't get caught up in all that emotional crap.
0: And, And do you think there's, I mean, is there an element that you're crossing the line between conquering fear into the area of ignoring danger?
2: No no i don't think so no i mean as i said there's, there's danger in this fear right there's this this there's, there's, there's things that we fear that are just irrational and then there's obviously things that are dangerous you know there's a reason why you look left and right before you cross the road you know <laughs> like if, that's that's a legitimate thing um you know but i'm just using that mountain story as an example because i could have i could have carried on fine i got caught up in it and wasn't looking where i was going and all of a sudden i nearly did tumble you know tumble off the top of it and kill myself um, so yeah, it's just about putting these strategies in place before they happen, I think. That's, that's, that's how it works for me.
1: Do you think that anyone is capable of thinking like that? Or do you think that there's a way you can train yourself to think like that? Or do you think some people just aren't capable of of, of overcoming that? Because i for example, I'm very afraid of ledges. I'm afraid of ledges with shops on the side of them, <laughs> yes. which is great when you're, when you're running around the Jurassic Coast, and when you're up snowdon and when you're in the jungle, and all that. And It's irrational, and I know it is. And I'm usually on an event that has crew on it, or people that know what they're doing. No one's fallen off. And it's, you know, I've had a panic attack on Arthur's seat, which isn't even that. Big. But it's like, and I'm good at controlling my brain and I've done amazing things. But it's that thing that I cannot overcome, irrational or not. So do you think there are, there are people that can do it naturally? Is there a way you can train yourself to do it? Like, how, how have you gone about it?
2: Well, I'm not, you know, it's, I'm not talking about if you're scared of spiders, for example. And I guess you're scared of cliff faces. That's just, that's one thing, right? So I've scared of spiders or something. I think I'm guessing kind of like that. I like um, spiders. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you do. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, um, no, I, I, yeah, you can definitely, you can definitely train yourself with stuff. It's just, it's, um, it, it comes out, it's actually, there's some, there's some research that came out of, oh, I'm not going to state the unit because I'll get it wrong. But um, it's this idea of implementation intentions. Have you guys ever, ever heard of that before? <laughs> So basically it was um, Peter Gowitzer, I think his name was, Dr. Peter Gowitzer, I think his name was, don't quote me on that, but um, he uh, came up with this idea of like, we, we have these intentions to do stuff throughout the day, but what happens is you don't do what you intended to do because you get, you know, off just doing something else or whatever the case is. So he says, well, let's implement something so you can carry out the intention that you had. Meaning that you go okay, so I need to go out for a run tonight. Let's use that as an example. Um, but what might stop me from doing that? Lots of things can stop me from doing that. Well, if you know, know that, then why don't you put something in place that helps you get over that particular thing when it comes to the run happening? So an, an, another example, maybe a bit simpler, is like um, if you're on a diet and you know you're going to go to someone's house and have lots of dips and yummy stuff and maybe some cake, and you don't want eat, to eat that. Then you need to implement something to stop you from eating that. Because if you don't, you will just grab the cookie or whatever it is and eat, eat it. And this is the same same idea, but just with your with your emotions. It's kind of going, well, I know these things are going to happen, so therefore I'd be stupid not to do something about it. And the cool thing is, is that those feelings feel the same regardless of the circumstances. So you're I get the same. You're,
0: putting, you're almost putting in place um tools for yourself so that when your moments of weakness come you've actually got these tools around you be it that you've already eaten a bag of carrots before you get to the <laughs> cake shop or um you've left something outside so you're going to go outside anyway and then when you're out you'll do your run or kind of that that type of thing
2: yeah, kind of. it's like it's, it's like saying, well, when when the cake comes out, rather than because I've already see this is the, this is the other thing I forgot to mention is that because you you um, you know what's going to so you just you know what's going to happen. Hmm. It's kind of you know when the cake comes, you're going to eat it. But if you don't think about the negative part of that. You won't, even, you won't even think about it. You'll just go in your mouth, and then you'll think about it afterwards. Oh, shit, I've been in that thing. But if you think about all the things in your day and the things that might, might get in the way, just by thinking about it, you already have a better advantage of actually doing the thing you, you wanted to do, just by thinking about it. But then if you implement a strategy to overcome it, then you're really on, on, on your way to things. Um, so actually dwelling on stuff is actually quite a, quite a good thing. And I do this most mornings when I get out of my tent. I dwell on the day ahead. I go, my God's in the shit.
0: So are you you (laughs) going out um, just visualizing every kind of random scenario in case a shotgun guy comes up Mm -hmm.
2: or in case a... Well, you you kind of don't. You don't don't really have to because most things really just come back to fear. Nearly everything is always fear-based like it's, it's just it's it's fear or it's un- uncomfortable and it's you know all those kind of things but really it's, it's just fear so really if you have a strategy for fear you can get you can do a lot of different things
0: so what um what would you say then for for runners what's the best way because i mean for me i know that if i'm training the only things that really are going to stop me training well are getting really drunk on a saturday night or just faffing around on a sunday day. all the other training runs i'll probably do um and
2: so or rain and cold like you mentioned before you mentioned the cold and the rain at the start yeah I mean I'll still do it (laughs) you're
1: a bit of a snowflake Hellard, aren't you it's a little bit (laughs) rainy outside I'm a bit small my hair might get wet it's really rainy in
0: Brixton I tell you
1: yeah get a hat love get outside
2: (laughs) but but Tired boy band members should not go running up. <laughs> <laughs> would, would you say there um,
0: are there kind of common themes that you've seen amongst runners? and Are there common um, ways of dealing in advance with these these negativities or these these things that knock you off your plan?
2: Um, yeah, I'm not not really because I don't read really, I don't get involved too much with running. I'm a bit of a solo kind of runner guy. I don't really I'm not part of any running groups, so I don't really run with anybody. I'm a bit of a loser, really. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, but uh, look, there always the, 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 surely there's a bunch of common things. At least for you, you know what stops you from doing certain things. You know that why you give up halfway th- through a run, or you slow down, or whatever the case is. You know what triggers that. So therefore you know the answer to that too you just need to but sometimes
1: sometimes I feel like I don't know the answer to it like I've done a lot of running like a lot 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 and you know and I'm like I know I need to eat this I know I need to avoid sugar for the first half of the race I know I need to make sure I've hydrated properly for like two or three days before I'm not a competitive runner like David I'm a long 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 distance runner but sometimes it just doesn't work out and it doesn't work out in that mentally I'm like fuck this I don't want to be out here or I'm bored or I'm something hurts or my stomach feels weird any of that stuff which is kind of rare but I can't plan in for that because although I have experience of that I I, you know if I'm doing everything the way that I've done it before, if, 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 if I have everything ac- accessible to me, for example, the right crew people. So I can say, can you please get me a long sleeve t-shirt because I, this one's wet and I need a new one. Or can you make sure I've got a packet of something crisps at the end or a gherkin? That, that's yeah. great and everything. But I just think there are, there are certain things that you can't understand. You know, I went out uh, the week last weekend, for example, we d- went out to do a recce in the, uh, for a big long run we're doing. And the, we're supposed to do 35 miles a day, but the second day we only did 17 because I just, didn't feel like I was like I was doing it right I had everything that I needed I'd done everything completely right I had a bit of an upset stomach but that was it but I was like I just feel like I'm losing the love for it so at 17 miles we stopped and had a pint and went home like you know because it was like I can't get over this so I can totally appreciate what you're saying but I'm just fascinated by how you can train yourself Mm -hmm. to actually implement those things to make them work.
2: Well, we'll go back to that whole needing something then, because I mean, it's, it's the good thing when you really need to get the run done, you just do it regardless. You don't need to go home because you got bored. If you got bored, then that it's you know, I obviously, I'm not saying you necessarily, but for most people, it's kind of like well, it's because you didn't need to do it. It's, it's, it's a funny thing when you when you really really need to do something. Like for me, it obviously, put me in the hospital and all sorts of stuff. But it's um, it's. The only way I can explain it is that do, do you guys have have kids?
1: I've uh, got I've got one that's not mine, but it is my responsibility. Okay, okay. I stole, go I stole it. I stole it from outside a shop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you would be careful saying that these days. Oops. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> well, let, okay. Let, just, just think about a loved one, a spouse, a parent, a pet, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And and if you tell me a reason. You know, why why do you love them? Now, there's numerous different ways, reasons why you love love them. But can you legitimately sum up in one sentence why you love those people? No, because the answer is you just do. Right. And you would do anything for those people. You would kill people. You'd kill yourself. You'd go to any means necessary. And that's what it is for me, that need for me which means that no matter what happens, no matter that if I don't get the right chips or I do have the right chips or I feel shit or it's crap, I, it just makes zero difference because it's just going to happen anyway. Just going to keep going forward. And I'm not going to feel good about it. It's going to feel shitty, but that's, that's, that's I, just, I just don't care. How, and that's how, the only way I can try and sum it up for people. How, how do you think, is, is there, because, essentially for
0: most runners we don't really have to do anything that we're doing that's that's almost what makes the achievement so worthwhile is that it's also pointless and unnecessary really I mean no one needs to run 100 miles and um, there's no real I think there's that thirst within us as humans but is there a way in which we can try and create that need
2: it, well, yeah, it's, it's anything you just can't articulate, I think. I, do, I think if you can articulate a reason why, then you've probably, you know, it's going to be a bit of struggle, I think. So I'm doing this because, never have a big statement for it. I think it's going to be a struggle. Um, if, I'm quite, if I'm completely honest, I don't know how you foster that within yourself. Um, it's just something I, I have. I sometimes And I think another indicator is when you wish you didn't have it. Because I often think, I oh, wish I didn't have this need because I don't enjoy the process.
1: Mm. <laughs> yes yeah, so with, with, with the need i've never ever dnf'd a race ever 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 and i don't think i ever will dnf a race because that's the need that's the i've got to do this because i'm signed up to it and i said that i was going to do it never gonna dnf ever i've yeah, never yeah. Uh, well unless my unless, <laughs> actually, my unless my leg is falling off or unless i'm having a heart attack there is no way that i will dnf a race but when it comes to the training bits of it i think because i'm a bit more like my 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 want my need for running is to see the world to see the to literally see the world, to see places people have never seen before, to experience cultures and, and and situations people have never experienced before, to go places where no human has ever trodden before. And then to go back and say to people, there is more to life than sitting in front of a computer at work. Like you can go and you can do these things and it's accessible to everyone. That's my need. And that's, and I want to inspire people. And I want people to think that, you know, running can be amazing for your mental health and, to and, and you know, you can come back with these stories. And, and I think we live in a world that, where people do sit in front of a computer all the time, all the time and, and, and they get very frustrated about their jobs and that sort of stuff. So that's my need. But it doesn't mean that when I'm doing a recce, I'm like, gonna, you know, have a really shitty Sunday because I mm. only want to do 17 miles. So, it, you know, I'm not sure that that's necessarily a bad thing. But um, I'm but, really interested in your, in your kind of your uh, need for it. Well,
2: I'm not saying it's I'm not saying it's good, not going to be shit. Because, like I said before, like i it's going to be. I know it's going to be shit. Like, it's going to be awful. When you, you it's not like I'm um, on Mr. Positive and I don't get loans and stuff. That's far from the truth. Yeah, but it's, it's just going to happen anyway. <laughs> it's not like I've got 50k to do today or 80k to do today, and I just can't be bothered after 20 for what numerous different reasons. Just, it just doesn't matter.
0: But do, do you have the same? Because you've you've mentioned this kind of need, but it's it's always. <laughs> in the challenges do you have the same drive in training say or when you're not when you're just going for a normal run and it's not i have to do this many miles to finish a thousand kilometers in this period
2: yes i do have the same thing yeah and as i said before i and i wish i wish i didn't because I just yeah. don't like Edinburgh. I'm not not really enjoying the guys with you. Um, and then people said, "Well, why did you do it then?" So well, it's it's hard one. to explain, isn't it? You know, mm. it's you know, it's funny. I did a um, I wrote an article for uh, National Geographic Australia, and they said to me, "Can you write a question why av- av- adventurous people do what they do?" So I did a whole bunch of research. I mean, I knew knew my reasons, but I, go, I did a, a, whole, a whole bunch of research on great explorers and adventurers of the past and stuff, trying to figure out why they did what they did. And it's really funny when you look at some of the most famous quotes that have ever come out of an adventurer's mouth. You know, it was that guy, what's his name? Somebody in Malloy, I think his name was, he went to climb Everest in the 30s or something. And he said in a, in an in a interview before, before he went, it's a famous quote, because it's there. That's not a reason why, because it's there. It's not really a reason. And what I found was that all these adventurers have the same kind of responses. They're just like completely full of shit. It's like, this is not a reason. Mm. And as I kind of explored that more, I went, I went, yeah, I know why, because you can't articulate why. It's the same with me. I have no idea exactly. I can't pinpoint the exact reason why. Oh, I'm doing it for charity. Mm. I'm doing it because my dad left when I was a kid or, you know, I got big up or whatever the case is. And I think these adventurers... Can't explain it either. Um, I just don't think they they can. It, they, they, I, I, I fall into this trap myself because I used to used to say so to people, "I'm searching for, for the why in the hope to never find it." But makes me want to throw up thinking about that now.
0: But then, if and I you just be, it up. you might just be like, "Ah, oh,
2: let have, have a yeah, beer well, on the beach." And it was rubbish <laughs> because I was always looking for it, so it's a completely rubbish statement. Um, but yeah, I think all these all these great adventures and stuff just I've never. Could, could not sum up the reason why they, they come up with these stupid little sayings like, like that because it's there and that's just not an explanation for me it's just you know it's, it, I think, I think if, he, if he'd returned from that trip the guy who went to Everest if he didn't die on the mountain and came back I think he might, he might have said his answer might have been because and needed to
1: but I think I think that's fine. Like I think people, you know, people definitely do it all for different reasons. You know, if you get people that run the London Marathon, they're running it because they need to raise two thousand pounds for whatever cancer charity it is because their mum died of cancer. Like that's that. I think that's fine to have that why. And you know, I think it's fine for for me to have my my reasons and 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 all that sort of stuff. Um. But you know, it's interesting that you're like I just don't you don't enjoy the running the running part of it. It's like so. So would you ever consider doing anything on a bike or anything on a um. On ice skates or whatever it is like is it is is do you think you'll keep doing the running stuff or do you think that the running stuff is over for you and you'll, you'll do something else uh i could
2: potentially do something else it's it, the thing is with uh, no i mean cycling stuff doesn't it i just i just follow this whatever this feels this 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 need to be compelled towards just never happen i know how
1: how many world records have you got
2: one might have changed
1: Would you say you Go out to do these Massive runs In these particular areas These particular distances, To get those world records No So They came after you'd done them
2: yeah, not all of them. But where, um, so I didn't, obviously Australia, I mean, that's still, still not been ran, the one here in Australia. Um, I, didn't, um, I was first there, that's on the record, I was first, yeah, it was behind me on the on the trail. Um, that, was, that wasn't planned, it's was just the way it kind of worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I get to Israel, there was a guy who ran that trail, so I did need to put the base on a bit to con- conquer that. Um, and It wasn't really just about a court. It was just about, this just, 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 as I say, i just fucking like compelled to go and do it. And sometimes, I obviously, so, this has been a long, long time, and I'm just having this moment where I'm kind of breaking down, but I'm breaking down, and complaining about the fact that I've got to go and do this. So I don't want to do this shit. I'm so, <laughs> like, why, why, why? Why are you taking on this journey? Um, it, like it's something that lives inside me and wants to drag me backwards through, you know, thorn bushes or something. Um, and I just know when I when I, when I I go against that, things just don't work out. And I think, look, I think we all have that to a degree. I think everybody, they can find something that they feel that they, they should do, I mean, um, often it's because they're scared of doing it, you know, starting a business, for example, or, you know, leaving their job and finding a new, a new job or whatever the case is. Um, I think that intuition, I think it's very really, really helpful. Um, and I think when you follow that, things generally work out.
0: And you've, you've turned this into a business, haven't you, where you've, you've used running as a way of helping other businesses.
2: Um, yeah. What, how, how does that work? Um, so, what, so what happened was, and I finished these uh, these trips, I mean, everyone said, you should go and hit the speaking circuit. Mm. I thought, well, that's fine. But I, I, I came from a, a corporate sales background. And I kept thinking to myself, well, that's fine. I've been to conferences and listened to people who've done adventures, and that's yeah, great. It's a cool story. And then what? I forget about it and I go home or I'm going to get drunk that night whatever. So for me, it was really important that I I thought, if I'm I'm going to do that, I I really want to have something that people can actually use because i don't want to tell a story I don't, and plus i'm not that's when i took this year off and I, I, I literally went around the country and sat down with a whole bunch of psychological experts from obviously sports psychology and backgrounds i even sat down with spiritual leaders i did a thing called well i did hip hypnotherapy i did a thing called past life regression I think no i've this.
1: got a thing yeah, yeah, past
2: past life. Life. well it's, it's like i was a horse <laughs> no. of course you were Got
1: that right. Um, but,
2: um, yeah, so, but yes, I did a thing. I wanted to 360 degree approach to, to this. Like, you know, why? How have I done it? Why have I done it? And and that's when things got really really interesting. But in fact, we all down the by the end of the year. I was a doctor, doc and that's because we're just searching for that and why. And um, and I was pulling up things in my past that I wish I didn't bring back up again, and just you know things that you know. When, dad left when I was 10 I've seen him again since and just all sorts of things to think about. It didn't help me at all so it just made me really really depressed and then I sort of switched uh, what Switch, you should say and, and went down well let's figure out how then all these experts are telling me that it's just because um so uh so I did that and that's when it got really interesting because I started learning about different tools I mean, and all sorts of stuff and really attracted to some tools that I've used to to help me get through some pretty not malicious situations. The, the, the cool thing is, is that it's it's really applicable to business today because, I mean, everybody is extremely exhausted both physically and mentally, you know, if you're if you, um The demands of this world are just absolutely crazy at the moment. And, uh, and people just don't know if, if they do something today, if they're leaving it tomorrow, It's people are uncertain and in doubt, fearful and overwhelmed. Um, and I guess where I relate to people is like, okay, well, around the long distance trails, it feels like to be t- physically and mentally. And then I know what it also has to then be thrown a challenge, a curveball you have to de- deal with. Um, and you know, some things like how, how, how do you deal with the How do you deal with the fears? Um, and how do people just keep moving forward? Um, and it really, I've worked out that it means that it, you have to be really, really adaptable. Um. Just adaptable to any 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 situation. It really goes back to you know going well. The the best crap I'm going to have it being adaptable. Like I say, you it can't be effective when you're in that state. You just can't be. Um, it, it, it actually robs you of the fundamentals just to carry out the basics like for me it, it starts it one in front to the other which is the most interesting I call it not shit I, can't, I can't even do that um, and this is what happens in, in people's lives so really I, I, I put together sort of eight eight tools that I, I sat down with some, some experts with and just you know science backed it so it just wasn't just me just using my stuff and, uh, and now I'm one of businesses business, sales teams leaders uh, on some of the things that I've, I've found and, and I've learned along this running journey but it really it's not it doesn't have a huge amount of me, running, because I'm not that passionate about it. But you know, running this look, I think uh, it's the most simplest of sports. Like it's it's the most it's it's the only sport I can think of where you don't need a team, you don't need a court, you, you don't need any special equipment, mm. you don't need a field. Anywhere in the world, any day, you don't need any special equipment. Simple. For some reason, everybody likes to really overcomplicate it. Uh-huh. And the way I see it, it's the same as running. It's just a bit quicker. Oh, sorry, it's the same as walk, uh, walking, it's just a bit quicker. And you know what I think about walking so much? I, I a, do, i rather. I walk a lot. lot. <laughs> so I was in the uh, running system and um, so I happened to hear the conversation by um, buying new shoes and the, uh, and the guy was like, yes, yeah, i this and that. I all sorts of stuff. I said, look, sorry to interrupt, but um, how how far are you going in? What's, what's, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I do two or five pair runs a week. I said, okay, so those shoes are like office shoes. Did you put the same amount of those? So, but yeah, you spend eight hours, yeah. two hours a week in the running shoes. Like, don't overcomplicate it. Just find something that fits and that's the, the, comfortable.
0: Is, is he now yeah, out he with a, a permanent injury from uh, yeah. having <laughs> having yeah. a torn yeah. chain? Yeah, he never. <laughs> <it up>. yeah. <laughs> right. I think. I
2: think with technology, with food and diets and different things, and I, I've got the most simplest approach. is ridiculous. I just don't worry about that stuff. But um, do, you think,
0: do you think that's because you're not? Um, like your your challenge is to to get through rather than to be at your absolute
2: performance well certainly to be at my peak performance said to be a peak performance
0: but in in terms of say so, you know if you're if you 're out in the outback you 've got to do twenty six miles that day or, or whatever it may be, but you just need to your your, your aim is to keep on going versus trying to save every single second you can from that distance
2: yeah i'm not saying you can't look into the the data and i'm not saying i mean of course that plays a a huge part but i just think people just really sometimes heavily focus on stuff you know they're 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 going with they're going with trends and 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 i just don't think it's the way to go i think i'm a big believer that when at least, at least once a week, people should probably just like ditch the watch, ditch all the stuff, and just go out and just do the running thing. Like it's just don't just don't think about it. Just run because you can, and that's and just what it's about. And I, I uh, think
0: that's simple. I think that's what's nice about ultra running to a certain extent is that you, it, ultra races are less focused on your finish time. It's about your experience and your finish. Whereas if you're running a 5K, you're always going to be doing it because there's a, a certain time in mind. Whereas ultras are so varied on terrain, where there's all these things that it, yeah. it does mean that you don't focus just on that big number. Yeah, yeah
2: I agree. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, I think we it's really it's not it's not as running as it's just everything in life i think we just really overcomplicate things and often it's just those fundamentals and the basics that actually is the best thing ever you know yeah i think one of the i find a lot of people that i bump into you know not necessarily very heavily experienced runners but they'll just they'll try and think of everything but actually just going for a run so you realize that to get fitter and to get faster, you just go out and run. That's how it kind of works. You don't just sit in the computer and search for nutrition and how much fluid you should take and you know, all these other things like in the best watch to buy. And if it's a Nike or an Adidas T-shirt and if it's technical or it's made of wool and it's uh, like you've actually got to get out the door. That's the, that's the fundamental thing. That's the only thing you need to concentrate on right, right now. Um I actually love it when you see um, the old boys at the ma- the marathons and they're running those really skanky old cotton t-shirts and stuff just love that yeah. it's just like yeah they, they know what it's all about and they don't care about technical wicked fabric and stuff <laughs> just getting yeah. on with
0: it well I, I, always, I always find in, around London marathon training season you get so many more people running with bottles of water or bottles of lucasate and the rest of the year you never see anyone with a bottle of water because I mean, <laughs> you just don't need it really when you're training unless you're doing more than like 30 miles at which point you might consider it but um yeah no i think i think you're right in that um yeah brilliant well thank you so much for coming on on the podcast it's just been incredible actually but um, if if people want to follow your adventures if people want to get in touch about using your consultancy for their businesses what's the best way for them to get in contact with you
2: just jump on my uh, website is this my name richardbowles.com.au it's au here in Australia. It's dot com au. Richard Bowles dot uh, Bowles is B O W L E S. Same as Camilla Parker Bowles. Uh, we're not related, um, <laughs> and I didn't get, get an invite to the wedding either, so I'm <laughs> he disappointed. She's
1: one of his ex-wives.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 and, um, and if, if people want to on Instagram follow you, is it Rumppreneur?
2: At Rumpreneur.
0: Rumpreneur. Sorry, put the extra Rumpreneur. Yeah, that's all right. From amazing well um, and last off what, have you got another big challenge coming up is there another Joe,
2: Yeah, look, I'm thinking um, at this stage, I'm thinking of maybe just – I've I've been fortunate enough to do some speaking over in in India, and that's really kind of fascinated and took my my fancy there just because it's apparently the only place I would actually consider doing some road running just because it's so gnarly. If you've ever been there, you'll just know there's traffic everywhere and just be crazy. That's like
1: OCR. That's basically OCR because you're having to jump over to to cars, people, (laughs) bikes, motorbikes. (laughs) So I'm thinking that
2: maybe I'm just going to fly into either New New Delhi or – Bombay, or whatever, and just and just literally get off the plane and just go running. I'll just take my pack. I'll just take a tent and stuff. I'll work out accommodation. I'll work out food, water on the fly, and just see how far I can get. I know I can do sort of t- two mountains a day on a- average and just spend two weeks just wherever, sleeping in people's houses, getting chased by dirty rabies dogs, yeah. um, <laughs> eat, just eat, just eat, eating off the street, getting sick. I mean – Sounds fun. Can bits, I cough? Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, like like I said to before, that's the sort of stuff sort of, sort of, that excites me. I like that, that there's no – I don't know what the outcome's going to be. Mm. And I don't know where I'm going to end up. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to get robbed and all sorts of stuff. I hope I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's kind of one thing I do next. It's um, not an official kind of adventure as such. It's just more of me just doing my own thing. Um, and the other thing that kind of excites me is the fact that, you know, people tend to think that people who do what I, I do and like pick themselves, they're kind of superheroes. Super like
1: we're kind of special or something. Nobody thinks I'm a superhero. I can assure you of <laughs> that.
2: But I kind of find that you know people come to yourself. That's amazing. You know, I do like Superman and blah blah. No, I'm not. And what I find fascinating is that the fact that I'm really privileged to be able to get funded, and sponsored, and paid to go on a journey. You know, and and have a choice in the matter. Like I, I choose to go and put aside these kind of things. And what I'm fascinated with for a long time now is that uh, I'm interested in supporting people. Like, don't get a choice. What options do you have? How do you? tackle that adversity um and i think they're the real superheroes those those kind of people um because i say i think when you have a when you have a choice to something
1: that's a really interesting point you know, me and I've done Sierra Leone marathon and when you go out there well, last time I went I had an 11 year old boy run he's wearing a pair of, oh, kind of woolly hat really sure. because he could he has to go to school when he gets to school he basically runs to school so and that, those people I think any of doing that so, you know you're well, like, packs up the up mountains we're struggling and can't breathe and it's awful and we're crying and they just whiz up there at like 30 miles an hour and sit at the top and we go well that's it we do it every day with rice we have to we have to do it to take it to market yeah. and then um, it's yeah. that stuff that i find way more interesting and you know they look at you like you're absolutely pathetic and you're like that's because i am <laughs> but um yeah I, but, yeah, I think it's uh me, it's amazing. i, I feel
2: like I, I feel like i need to go and experience that i to people i don't right. need to go and live like a slum in mumbai with nothing but like and just work out life
0: but well, yep. I, I do like the, the fact that your next challenge isn't for record. It's for the love of it, even though you don't enjoy doing it. Which is funny. You've been uh, Amazing. Well, well, thank you so much for coming. If you do the India trip, let us know, because I've no idea, but we've probably got a listener somewhere in India that might be able to help in some way, and we'd love to join you on your journey. Yeah, you can coming, what join you, but I do better. I do better. But we'll, we'll see. Let us know the so
1: You never know. Stranger things <laughs> that happen. You just offered to paste it, run across India. Excellent. Well done, Halad.
0: <laughs> I'll camel you around. It'll be ideal. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Richard. And um, if there's anything we can do to help with any of your future challenges, against the, you know, the communities out there, I'm sure they're going to love this and we'll get involved in any way they can
2: oh thanks so much I hope I didn't confuse people too much you know it was a bit it was a bit heavier
1: thought oh, this idea. is one of those <laughs> podcasts people are going to listen to like 17 times write loads of stuff and then do a podcast about a podcast it's like the Donny Darko of podcasts
2: uh, and then and then there's going to tweak what is that oh we hopefully together at some point in the future awesome thanks guys appreciate it cheers buddy oh, that was I- amazing
1: that was interesting it was a very interesting man interesting it's i it's
0: so i'm so confused like he doesn't like running and yet he's doing it all the time
1: but that, and, i'm uh, confused as well because he doesn't like running but he's doing it all the time but he's also a motivational speaker but he basically says that running is a bit <laughs> shit and i'm like well we all know running's a bit shit but i can't understand his there is no why that he just feels this innate need to do it like if it's I don't know if it's a spiritual need or if it's like something that he that he actually cannot understand because yeah. I know why I run and I know why I go and do the stuff that I do and I'm not saying that he's wrong because I think everybody has their own reasons but I just find that completely bizarre and I, I don't know whether it's a blessing or a curse me either because like if I think about going for a run, I can procrastinate all day, and it's like you said, it's not to you get your trainers on and go outside. And you're like, actually, this is all right. Mm. But I've always got a goal, and the goal usually is I want to finish this race, or I'm training to do this, or I've got to go and you know do this stuff for rat race, or I've got to go and do. There's things I need to achieve that are either work related or mm. personal goal related, or you know I'm never going to be able to run across Malta if I don't actually go out and do some running to train. Mm. And that's my why because there is always something there that i'm doing but to have nothing at all just makes me think it does and does he enjoy it i don't know even even know if he enjoys it
0: but the i do worry that his enjoyment is that the unknown the fear factor the randomness and um so basically it might be he's gonna put himself in more and more dangerous scenarios because even if you're looking down the list like he runs across australia that's not dangerous enough i know let's go to israel i mean that that's foolhardy itself and every adventure he seems to have something that i would see as Potentially life threatening that happens.
1: Absolutely. Like, if you look, at down, look down the list of what he's done, right, he did the Bicentennial National Trail, which is five and a half thousand kilometres in Australia. Then he did the Tea Aurora Trail, which I've probably pronounced wrong, in New Zealand, which is three thousand kilometres. Then the Israel National Trail, which is a thousand kilometres. <laughs> then the Haysen Trail which is South Australia again, 1,200 kilometres. Then the Sumatra northern tip, 1,000 kilometres, right, in Indonesia. My main thing, whenever I go and do one of these ultra racy type things or or reccees is safety. Have we got you know i have to i have to get insurance whenever i go out to do my recce's my big ones in panama namibia wherever it is i have to get insurance which covers being lifted out by helicopter so the insurance is usually around about 100 to 150 pounds but it's the single most important thing because i'm like if something happens in there i need to be Mm. airlifted out i don't want to die um Does that make me a pussy? I don't know. But it doesn't seem like he's got any structure in there. He doesn't seem like he's got an SOS. Or in the middle of Australia, like, you can (laughs) die of dehydration in a day. Like, what do you mean you're not going to see your crew for four days? What if there is no water? What if you get lost?
0: I just wonder if we're going to see him popping up, like, running across Syria or through... um you know Eritrea or, or something like that Yeah, or
1: one of those islands in like South America that's got an indigenous tribe on that shoot you when, <laughs> you know with arrows when you get there and eat you like I just I think he's I think he's an amazingly interesting human being in his whole like psyche and it would appear that he is because those of psychologists are like we can't work you out like what the f- flipping X going on with you yeah. Um, but yeah it's it's really really weird and and interesting because I always think people run for the same reasons as me which is like I like I really like it and I really like doing it obviously not yeah completely um
0: and I, I do get the sense we've probably only touched the tip of the, the number of stories that he's actually got but even because that that's what i was trying to get out with the, the river crossing with the crocodiles is that that's the issue with doing such a big challenge because if you're thousand kilometers into the run and you you'd almost be tempted to do a a roger moore run across alligators yeah live and let die because you're like well i've come this far i've got to do it no matter what and yeah so i don't know at what point i, I think that the bigger especially if you're driven towards those type of encounters I think that they're, they're, you're more likely to almost put yourself in danger um.
1: yeah but the thing is it's, it's a bit like uh, like I said to him before where's the line because I've seen mm. crocodiles I saw them in the in when we were in Panama and they were really lovely and everything but we were in a kayak and I felt for some reason quite safe in a kayak but I'm like no that's just it's it's without wanting to offend anyone it's borderline stupid as far as I'm concerned because it's like this is a very very real threat and no one no one is invincible and there's no way that he's going to be able to wrestle an alligator he didn't say he could but it's just <laughs> you know it's not that sort of thing it's like it's it, but it could damage you you know to the point where you won 't be able to run anymore, or that you 'll be dead, and I just don 't know if it 's worth it I just oh we 're
0: nervous for you richard we 're worried about you i
1: 'm scared yeah. you 're going to get into you think you 're the hyena whisperer <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I mean that 's hyenas as well because they they do work in packs. They do eat humans. I don't think they attack normal humans, but they—they'd they'd attack a child or a, a limp human for sure.
1: Yeah, we had um, we had hyenas. Well, we had one hyena when we were in Namibia, and he was lovely—a brown mountain hyena—and he came over because of the smell. So I'm pretty sure it was his feet that probably attracted him, because this hyena <laughs> could smell our spaghetti bolognese cooking because we're very middle class, um, and uh, and he popped over. But yeah, there's there's all sorts of weird stuff out there that will try and kill you, like the small stuff, but also the big stuff, like the ostrich or the kangaroo. <laughs> the hyena (laughs) yeah absolutely but do
0: you think um where do you think the line is with what's an acceptable risk how much of it is in our heads um how much of it can you truly prepare for and has it changed your view on on what you want to attempt or or what you think's possible yeah it's or why you run even
1: yeah it's it's really really interesting he he's a very interesting character i think i'll probably do a little bit more research and uh, and i'd kind of like to talk to him after he comes back from india to see to see how he gets on
0: yeah and i'd actually say the if you're if you're looking at dangers people are probably the most dangerous thing out there like the most unpredictable especially someone like india where there's so many people that are so poor um not the that, that Leads necessarily to crime, but
1: I see. I think, from my experiences, that actually the poorer the nation, the less likely you're going to get into trouble. Like because you've got people that are very, very kind there and live a very, very basic life. Somewhere like Australia, which is a relatively new country that's quite politically divisive, where people have moved to the middle of it because they don't want to live with other people, or because they've done something bad, or because they're you know not all there when it comes to moral fiber that's where you've got to be careful like Australia's very new it's only been around a few hundred years whereas the people that live in india have lived like that for centuries and centuries and people that live in sierra leone people that live in panama and they're you know they'll, they'll just deal with that stuff i had um i met this guy at love trails last year and he'd cycled spent six years cycling across the world he's a really nice guy oh, Stephen. Stephen, yeah yeah. And he told, me, he told me the story and he, he cycled with nothing. He told me it was £10 a day. He didn't have a phone. He, it was almost like when he got back, he'd been in a coma for six years because he didn't understand all the new stuff that we had, like social wow. media and all that. Yeah. And he said, that one. I said, to him, what's the most scary thing that happened? And he said, one night he was asleep. I can't remember what country he was in. It was a developed country, though, and he he found a shack, like a little farmhouse to sleep in, and he got in it, and uh, he went to sleep, and he woke up to find a guy with a shotgun poking at his face, and he couldn't speak the language, and he was really scared, and he managed to get out of this guy that two days before, someone had broken into this guy's house and robbed him of all his stuff, and so he thought it was happening again. Which is why he had the shotgun pointing at Stephen, yeah. but Stephen managed to talk to him, and actually it ended up that this guy invited Stephen into his house, fed him, let him sleep in his house, gave him water, gave him you know, filled up his bags of food, and so it was all fine, but you know that 's the sort of situation where if you react in a bad way you're going it's, it's going to end badly um, and I would have quite liked to go into it more with Richard about how he actually dealt with that, what was the conversation that took place and 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 how he got around it because it all you know it's just it's terrifying. I I wouldn't be cool with someone pulling a gun on me.
0: I have no idea, how I'd feel, actually. I've had... Well, I've been shot at in Israel, of all places, but um, that was long-distance shooting into a crowd. Um, we can get to that story another time. But, um, I think there were rubber bullets as well, which yeah. is, I think, maybe not quite as bad. But, yeah. yeah, it's interesting, the line. And I think this is now... We're probably entering a period where people are taking on more and more risks because the first person to climb Everest, you know, that, that's an incredible story, but Everest has been climbed. You know, these, yeah. these challenges now are having to get Ooh. bigger and
1: bigger and bigger. Oh, Netflix recommendation. I don't know if you've covered this yet, but I watched Free Solo the other day. Have you seen that?
0: I don't know. I've seen quite a few climbing Netflix
1: on yeah. free. it's about the guy that climbs yosemite one of the climbs yosemite with no ropes and it's brilliant but like you say he's like i want to do this he's he's like i'm scared but he's got the same kind of thing as richard's got like he's scared he understands that he could die but he and he's got a girlfriend and he's got this family and i'm like what the bobbins are you doing but yeah but and and but you know no spoilers but he does it without ropes and um and that's a spoiler and um and the the psyche, like the, he's done it loads of times with ropes and you see him fail, you see him fall, you see the rope catch mm-hmm. him, but you're just like, why the hell are you doing this? You have no chance. And the amount of people that have died doing those free, free climbs, it's crazy. Mm. But um, I think it's just being built with something different. I don't think it makes you more special. I don't think it makes uh, to a point. Sometimes I think it's like, you don't have duty of care for yourself or for the people that love you. But it's just a really interesting, like, way to live isn't it to, to be not not sort of not afraid of death yeah and I, I do wonder with it how much
0: of it is like lack is it that you don't see the risk or that you you just think you'll get over that risk or is it you don't you don't value the impact what your loss would have on everyone around you
1: well there's one part of me like this is quite controversial there's a part of me that thinks do those people want to die heroes do those people you know is Mm. this like a long long sort of some long form of suicide do they want to be like if i'm going to go i'm going to go with a legacy so i'm going to do all of this stuff like is that part of it i don't know like but it's a question that i think people might be too scared to ask because it seems incredibly selfish but ultimately it's the way that some people are built, and I'm fascinated to understand why. I don't want to die in a bloody running accident or, a, or a, or a yeah. climbing accident. um Yeah, definitely not. So. Well,
0: maybe we should um, do. Do so, you know anyone who's, who's anyone else who's put themselves who does ridiculous? Maybe we should get a free climber on to just talk us through this.
1: Yeah, through the psyche. That'd be really interesting. Through the psyche
0: of it. Yeah. Hey, uh, talking
1: of danger, me and you are going on holiday, aren't we?
0: oh how the hell is this
1: <gasps> lads 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 it's not a lads holiday though is it <laughs>
0: it, will yeah. it will be It will be. it's gonna be busy they've found us a... so do bad as if any of you happen to be in sofia two weekends ago from when you hear this podcast <laughs> <laughs> ali and i are, are the lead uh, presenters at a running show um, where we're the only people who aren't bulgarian for some reason <laughs> And last, so just, just to give, give a bit more context, and I, I, this really uh, befuddles me. Last year, speakers were Sean Conway, Dean Carnassus, and Matt Fitzgerald this year <laughs> Ali Bailey Dave Hellard. well obviously it's a slow year for, for speakers I mean I'd hate to know what ticket sales are doing at this time in
1: like oh my word but Ali you're gonna you're gonna be a mega star in Bulgaria I, I've heard I think basically what happened is I've got two dogs they're both from Bulgaria I think word's got back and I think that the <laughs> dogs are now being dragged around the mendips sort on of a regular basis running um, but yeah for some reason cover model aren't you cover star I, well they they did an interview with me for this magazine, and then they were like, Have you got any pictures? Because we want to put you on the cover. And I'm like, You are joking. I don't, that, that's not for me. Sent them all my pictures. No, they're not good enough. We need full body shots, face close up. I'm like, I Had to go and do a little weird photo shoot um, with my friend Lee. Then they want to put me on the cover. And when I looked at the other covers, it's Bear Grylls, Sean Conway, Randall Fiennes. And I'm like, Honestly, this is weird. So I don't know, if, you know, I've sent them the photos. I don't know if they're going to put me on the cover, but it would be quite funny. And my mum would like it. But yeah, we're going to um, to do this talk at this this thing is called Fitz Ultra and it's a big adventure and running type thing so I'm sure that we'll do some sort of report on that and we're also going to be taken running by the running club up in the Bulgarian Alps as they call it so I'm I'm quite excited about that
0: yeah
1: and we'll let you know what happens to you about it because I just don't there's,
0: it doesn't make sense to me that they act someone's done the wrong thing
1: someone's made a mistake a really bad someone's mistake. A mistake someone's yeah. gonna get fired
0: yeah <laughs> yeah we, we haven't quite figured out wh- how this is gonna so the basically the whole the afternoon they said the show's on but there's no point in you coming because everyone will just speaking speaking in bulgarian the whole afternoon so yeah it's I, don't, I think something strange is gonna happen we don't know what but we will report back in well in due course in due course say but um wow amazing 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 guest
1: I'm going to have to I'm going to have to listen to that podcast again about eight times and write it all down because it was it was like the Donnie Darko of podcasts it's just it's fascinating like how people's brains work
0: yeah and do better there are other people you want us to get on the podcast we do go out and get them for you you can either Facebook stalkers get in the Facebook group and tag us in it um, or write to letters at badboyrunning.com and um, if you enjoyed this one, which other episodes would you say? I mean, Ronda Marie always incredible. Yep. She's been on twice. She talks about b- running blind, essentially a three hundred and fifty-kilometer non-stop race across Tennessee. Um, equal madness.
1: Yep, the Charlie episode where she nearly dies. That's always a good one.
0: Oh, I mean that one. Yeah, get some tissues out for that. is it's, it's heart wrenching. That um, amazing, amazing woman. And uh, we've we've got so many ultra running episodes we've done recently that you could listen to. So uh yeah, have a search round Do let us know. And uh well, I'll see you in
1: Sofia. Hurrah! Bye 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 bye. Bye 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 bye. Bye 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 bye.
0: Bye 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 I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave. Don't come back. Yes and give me one more try Cause I love like this
2: Should I never ever die? Come back Uh, Fuck you buddy